you know, if, if you're going to spend good money on something, that's not bad. If as long as you use it enough to justify the cost. Now, if you have some super niche thing that you can only use every now and then, but it's extremely important, that's a different case. But and I'll go as far as you know. I, I would I would say if your needs are squared away to a degree, like enjoyment is a thing that oh, that I would take into effect. But that being said, like you're not allowed to have fun. No misery this only. Is, yeah, this is serious. <laughs> Sit inside, watch the screen, eat the bug. gotta be ready for klaus schwab you're listening to the art and war podcast with your host mitch and nathan mitch is a former airborne infantry squad leader who now spends most of his time coaching soccer nathan is a professional illustrator and an avid shooter with a couple of years of canadian military experience together they run the seaburn art page enjoy the show so we don't really have an opening for this uh we just usually kind of bullshit but right before this started we were on a pretty good alex jones kick just for a second, about how they were actually turning the frogs gay. That gets me. Like, herbicide runoff in... Oh, God. Okay, so Big Agriculture apparently lobbied the EPA to allow herbicide runoffs to get into, you know, local water water supplies. And over the years, um, the frogs in said water supplies started growing uh, both sets of genitalia. So that meme ended up being real. How are you guys doing? Not well, concerned at all. Yeah, at least I'm not a frog, so there's always uh, worse things that could be happening. Yeah, uh, that, that's a start. Anyways, today we have uh, Reaper 1.1 and Coniferous Origins from the Longhouse podcast, which is pretty good and a lot of fun and kind of schizo <laughs> like us. In a, I, I was just listening to one of your episodes today. Um, I'm not going to get into it. It gets into some which, wacky shit. With which, a, which one was it? Uh, schizo ramblings with cab oh yeah that was a good one yeah no Usually, yeah. yeah yeah usually we uh we don't really go into it with like a plan either we'll be like okay we're going to talk about this topic and then we just kind of go into it um, i think but that sure. one we were like let's just go and we just hit it and we were like we don't want to talk about gear we're tired of gear we don't want to talk about guns we're tired of guns it was like all that stuff so we just we just went off I enjoyed it quite a bit. It, it's, <laughs> I, th- I think like the the fun improvisational tone really lends itself to I don't know easy listening. Yeah. Like I, I like gear, I like guns, but I just I like listening to people bullshit. I like listening to like a fucking Call of Duty chat room or being in the room with you know a bunch of retards while they bullshit about nothing. Yeah, that's starting to be kind of what <laughs> what it's turning into. I need to uh, I need to put a temporary stop to that and have some educational content because uh we actually had uh the last one that we were going to do was with lance from sealess dynamics oh he shit, came on cool as hell. and we were going to do like a full land nav thing he's been on before and it was great it was a productive episode so we were going to do one on land nav and i had just been working on guns and stuff earlier like that and every like i had you know like three projects i was trying to do at once everything was just going to shit and i just could not get the end result that i intended and i got i got kind of pissed and i was like all right i gotta stop this so i can go do this because we had agreed on this time i go inside i'm like man i'm sick of guns i'm sick of gear you know let's talk about like land nav and then i was still kind of like brain dead and then cab derailed it like immediately and we just started going off on everything else and then uh like 30 minutes in lance was like all right i gotta get going guys (laughs) (laughs) You look like you want to say something. 
Oh, I just imagine that that one meme with the guy from the History Channel instead of aliens is just Antarctica. Yeah, that's that's us. I was uh, so I'm I'm trying to come up with some more uh, like merchandise and things like that. And um, I'm not like a designer. I'm not like a graphic artist. I can't really do anything like that. Um, so I was trying to come up with an idea to use like something uh, related to like Antarctica and do like a, like an, an Antarctic recondo thing. That would be kind of funny. Antarctic recondo. Yeah, like a like a Antarctic reconnaissance unit or something like that. Like a like just a shirt with like the crest on the on like the left breast that just has like Antarctica with some logos and stuff in it. And like uh, I don't know. I was trying to figure it out, but uh, you know, I, I don't have too much too much expendable time you need like the motto, the motto you shall not enter <laughs> <laughs> uh are you are you familiar with uh with like million dollar extreme and sam hyde and those guys sam hyde yes oh yeah no i heard he uh he shot off a school a week or two ago oh yeah and, uh, every, every, yeah he's very busy oh fuck it's way too early to make that joke i don't whatever you no, know it's not. already out there br cut that out if you want um leave it in. but there was uh there, there was a guy that used to be a million dollar extreme called Charles Carroll. Yeah. And he ended up, there was like a whole thing between them after million dollar extreme got canceled and, and all this other stuff. So, so now he just does like these Twitch streams where he just gets, I'm pretty sure that he just gets like really high and he just goes off on these like seemingly philosophical things. And they just turn out to be really funny. And he'll have, he has this one where he's talking about Antarctica and he's like sitting there smoking a joint. He's like, if you try to go to Antarctica, they will shoot you in the fucking face. And he's like, <laughs> just going off on it. <laughs> well, while we do this, I'm idly drawing up a marine, for, uh, like a, a recon patch for Antarctica. And if it gets done, <laughs> you can just fucking have it. Um, oh, okay. <laughs> literally my job. And I take a lot of fun and bullshit. So. Here we go. But yeah, no, uh, I did not know how hard Antarctica was to get in. And also, you all, <laughs> sorry, every time I, I look at your screen, dude, my, I lose my train of thought because it looks like you're so deeply, like you want to say something so fucking bad. I I'm don't know if you actually do. Maybe you just have really intense eyes. <laughs> <laughs> I like how your, uh, I like how your cabinets on the front have that wire so you can see in them. That's cool. That's actually oh, yeah. really neat. Yeah, you got a nice place, dude. I like your your fucking little backsplash over there. You're recording yeah, from cool. your kitchen? No, 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 downstairs. That's your basement? That's nice. Yeah. Yeah, it looks I like I have a basement. I can set up my crawl space to be kind of cozy. You can just dig one out. Yeah. Yeah, yeah you could. You don't need to, man. Come on. <laughs> three. I have three. Are, are we actually. allowed to talk about your jobs? Should we leave that alone? I don't care. Uh, me personally would probably leave that out. Yeah. We could allude to it, but just for yeah. my own I I would rather not have them know. Yeah, you have a cool fucking job. That's all I will I don't even know what your job is. Oh really? Yeah. BR, oh, uh, cool. beep that out. Please. <laughs> but yeah, that's cool as fuck. It's not too bad. Yeah. They pay me well, treats me well, everything's pretty good. Yeah. No, that's that's amazing. So th this bullshit patch is actually coming out really well. I'm uh what do you what do you think we we have like a man in a uh i, I was going to have like the silhouette of antarctica antarctica with a igloo that would be kind of cool so i'll show you i'm actually wearing this shirt right now it's the logo for the mountain warfare training center in uh 
out in California, but it's it's just like this dude on skis with a like an M16. Oh, can I? Is your uh your active duty uh military of some kind, right? Marine reserve. No, I'm I'm, I'm reservist. I'm a career reservist. Yeah. So, yeah, I'm a career career Marine reservist. I'm so sorry. <laughs> I actually don't mind it. Surprisingly enough, I've been in uh about eight years now, and that's I'm, awesome. I'm on like a non-obligatory status to where my contract is hope is up and I can just kind of check out whenever I want. I just keep coming back. So no, dude, fucking steal those MREs while you can. Oh, dude, I get water jugs, MREs. Just kidding. I don't, I don't take anything from the government. That's illegal. No, that, that's illegal. Don't, <laughs> don't do that. Highly legal, terrible, would never, ever do that at all. I don't no, know why anybody would in the first place, right? They're here to protect us and, and to, to serve us. Oh yeah, clearly. Exactly. <laughs> Dude, sorry, I'm getting really into this fucking design. <laughs> Mountain Warfare Training Center. BR is going to have to cut a lot of bullshit out. I'm sorry. Okay. Don't blue ball us, though. Don't blue ball. Don't blue ball us. I want to see that logo. <laughs> I'm going to have to do it after. He's this just going to be edging us this whole Way time. Never going to show it than I am to, into like carrying out a conversation with you guys. It's going to be three weeks later. So I'll be like, guys, I'm still working on it. I'm still working on it. <laughs> that, that's my problem. Like I'm. I'm pretty quick at making stuff but the problem is i have to sit down and make it and if i like it'll something will take me like a a couple hours four or five hours um but the the problem is like my my brain is full of fuck and i'm terrible at scheduling so (laughs) i'll have like 40 things on the go and the the job that should should only take like 15 minutes left gets left for two months yeah i am i'm terrible like so originally when i started my instagram it was just kind of like a shit post page like multiple many accounts ago i've been banned off instagram like 14 times um Holy shit. yeah and and usually it's because i'll start just not caring and posting political stuff when you shouldn't really mix politics and, and gun posting so i've kind of toned that down quite a bit but um yeah like when i first started it was just me just taking pictures of random stuff and and whatever and uh not really like i'm not i'm not a photographer i'm not you know anything like that my my normal day job is very uh is very like normie bug man and so i uh i ended up just you know realizing that like i have some experiences that i can share with people and and kind of get them get them all up to my level and then we can continue to progress together kind of thing and then uh and then it started getting to the point where I'm like, oh, shit, like I have a podcast that I need to figure out what we're going to talk about. I have, you know, I got to figure out what, what I'm going to post about because I have no idea and I'll just go forever because I don't I don't go off a schedule or anything. And, you know, I just do it for fun in the on the side. So like it'll go like, oh, I haven't posted in a long time. And then I'll like scroll through, find a picture from an old trip and be like, OK, people have messaged me about this. I'll just type it up real quick and send it like I can't imagine like my job. uh you know, relying on that because it's a lot harder when you're like, okay, you know, like people that make YouTube videos for a living, I do not know how they do it. No, I have no fucking idea. The amount of work that it has to take is just absolutely insane to me. I mean, you mess up one take and even if the audio is fine, now you got to edit that all out and probably redo it. And that's just, it's four times the effort than just doing audio. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. That's the thing too, is that I, uh, I, I just kind of stay anonymous online as far as, you know, all that stuff. So that's probably for the best, kinda, you know, both your jobs. 
Yeah, I mean, that's that's kind of the thing, too, is that I don't need to worry about somebody being like, hey, I saw you on social media and you have, you know, a following and you have all this stuff and you've posted these things that don't reflect our organization. You know, nobody knows who I am. Yeah. And governments recently have really liked, you know, God bless them and they're looking out for us and, you know, totally agree with this. It's great. They have a habit of making things retroactively illegal and then punishing people for it. <laughs> so, yeah, there was, um, there was actually this, uh, this time before where, um, and I've talked about it on the podcast, but I had a Bigfoot experience before and, um, I ended up, it, it ended up getting picked up by like a journalist and it was, they had, uh, they had called, they had contacted me like, Hey, would you be fine to talk about this? And at the time I was naive and I was like, yeah, sure. So I, uh, I talked to this guy about it and then he posts, you know, he posts about it on, uh, on whatever it was like on the, on the news around here. And then, uh, somebody in my command called me not too long afterward and they're like, Hey, so this is now like a thing. And the people in, you know, up, up above him even were like, we know that you're doing all this stuff. And, and even though it was not military related and it was, uh, it was not on duty or anything like that, they're very, um, aware of when, when people start posting stuff like that. And, and then, you know, you start, especially if they're talking about politics or, or things like that and their opinions versus like, Oh yeah, we had this kind of goofy experience. Um, you know, they, they can take it pretty seriously. Yeah. And just blowing things out of proportion way more than what you intended. You I mean, you, if you had a completely utterly, you know, good intentions with something, it can just get completely turned inside out in between yeah. the media and employers and all of that. And, um, you could be doing the greatest thing. And next thing you know, you're, you're the boogeyman. <laughs> yeah. You are but, not wrong. But, uh, hold the fuck up. You had a Bigfoot experience. Sorry. It took me about that long to wrap my head around that. <laughs> yeah. So, you, you, uh, I, I'm going to ask this question to both of you. What is the weirdest fucking thing that's happened to you in the woods? Reaper can go first. Oh, I'm going to have to think on that one. What is the weirdest thing that's ever happened to me? Yeah. Oh, Everyone who spent a long amount of time in the woods had something fucking strange happen. I'm, I'm just curious. It's never come up on the podcast before. I didn't go into this podcast, you know, imagining I'm asking this question, but everyone has a fucking story. And it took hearing about Bigfoot to, to kind of tweak me into that. Yeah, I mean, I have a few, like the Bigfoot experience was one. Um, I've heard out in, uh, out in Bridgeport, actually, I heard uh, like whispers in the woods that were not uh you know other people um trying to think i've had a lot of just like small experiences where i just kind of brush off um hearing things or, or seeing seeing things that are kind of out of place um and then like there's times too where i'll be out out in an area and you know i'm completely comfortable with the area i've been there before it's all good you know no issues and i'll be walking around and, and it'll be like uh it'll be like when you're when you're in like a pool and you hit that warm spot and it's only in a certain spot you, you can feel that warmth. But this is like, you get to a spot where you're like, I shouldn't be here. This is bad. Yeah. Like, I, I don't belong here. And uh, you, know, you get out of that area and then you feel fine again. And it's like, you know, there's an invisible border where you go into something else's realm and you're, you know, or you'll be completely alone. You'll feel something watching you. And, you know, it's usually like an animal or something, but, you know, who knows? Yeah. Well, I, I don't think, you know, we've made it as a species this long. 
And especially if you think about how far we've evolved to survive, you know, in, in uh, hostile environments and in, in the woods and everything else. I, I do think there's an element of it that, that that's, you know, survival mechanism. I think we're evolved to know if something is wrong. And I've had that feeling in the woods too. And a lot of people I know have. Well, even just like the six senses people have. I mean, the fact is your brain and eyes can both process geomagnetic fields, but they can't cross-reference that information. So your eyes can't take that information and your brain can't process it. And your brain can kind of process where certain directions are, but not that well. It's not like you're a bird. Um, mm-hmm. And then you have like the, I can detect someone look at me from my rear that no one's figured out yet. Yeah. It's the feeling of being watched. Well, it's something interesting too that uh, like with with animals, right? My dad has told me stories before where he's been out bow hunting in a tree stand and 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 I don't bow hunt, so I don't know, but he'll be like out in a tree stand and a deer will walk in and he'll like be looking at it through his peripherals. And then as soon as he, I mean, he doesn't even move. He just kind of, you know, moves his eyes a couple degrees to look directly at it and it'll stop what it's doing and, and just look directly at him. And so there's, there's a lot of, uh, you know, it's kind of like a, like, um, like the hippie take where it's like, Oh, we're all connected in some way. But then when you really start looking at it, you're like, okay, like there's all these, uh, you know, like, like you had mentioned the, the electromagnetic fields and there's all these other things that you can, you can have contact with in a way that's not traditional, right? You can't touch it. You can't feel it, whatever you can't see it, but they're like those additional senses to that interlink a lot of things. Um, so I definitely, I definitely subscribe to that, that thought. Me too. Absolutely. I agree. What's the weirdest thing that's happened to you? I'm curious. That, you don't have to dox yourself or anything. In the woods, nothing really. Um, just kind of the weird places you go to for like a, uh, like I went to a place where a Native American like tribe got mass murdered and that was just kind of weird. Um, nothing spooky though. I'm going to be honest, it's kind of lame. No, uh, no, <laughs> nothing wrong with that. It's, if anything, it's, it's, good i think so there's a i I know someone who does a lot of like outdoor stuff and in outdoor guided uh things and whatnot he spends a lot of time outside way way more than i do even and uh he was saying that they were on a um they were on like this guided winter survival tour thing and you know this is like like backpackers it's in a very like non-militaristic it's not like a bushcrafty thing anything like that it's like it's just like through hikers and you know the people that walk around with like super bright colored backpacks and all that stuff yeah and uh yuppie hiking yeah exactly and so they're sitting at a uh um they're sitting around the fire and, and somebody had brought up like uh like skinwalkers and the guide got like very uncomfortable and he was like, Oh, we're not talking about that here. And they were like, Oh, why not? And, uh, his, his reasoning was that it wasn't, um, what do you say? Like it wasn't sensitive to indigenous people or something like that. Some, some like bullshit college yuppie hiker, like granola munching (laughs) thing. But, uh, they, um, you know, there, there's, if you start to look into the lore of them, when you talk about them and when you acknowledge them, uh, it essentially empowers them in it kind of gives off a beacon to you that's that's how the lore goes for for skinwalkers so um i think that's with a lot of things like even with ghosts right growing up i was never sensitive to to the paranormal at all because i just was very skeptical about it i didn't believe in it and uh 
I, I wasn't sensitive to it for that reason. And now that I'm a lot more open to it, there's times where you know, you'll, you'll even be walking through a, through a, a, a house or like a building or something. And you're like, Oh yeah, something's, something's off. And um, you, you, you can't like, you know, bring out a graph and a chart and explain why it's something that could potentially be paranormal, but you just know. So I think that that's, I think that that's a lot of that stuff is once you acknowledge that it exists and once you're aware of its existence, you're, you're more sensitive to it. And it's not always in a sense of like, oh, I'm aware that this thing is there. So my brain's automatically going to draw conclusions because you won't even be thinking about it or anything and it'll hit you. And you're like, oh yeah, this is that. And you're like, I don't know why I'm thinking about that. I need to leave. <laughs> yeah. It's funny you you mentioned like the whispers and the talking in the woods. It's something I keep on hearing people say, and I've had an experience like that. It's uh, one of my best friends. He he listens to your podcast uh, and and uh, this one sometimes. Um, God, I'm sorry, I'm not going to dox you. Uh, him and I were shooting. Um, we were just doing like a, a dusk and night shoot a little while ago, and it was getting pretty late. It was dark out, but you know the two of us had rifles. We're in the middle of nowhere, and we we. Uh, we looked it up on Google Maps later just to see, you know, are there tra any trails or anything leading to where we were? And we heard voices coming from the woods. And th this is like, it's an old road, off an old road, off an old road, <laughs> down, and like a, a designated rifle range. We weren't just like gravel pit shooting in the middle of fucking nowhere. And there there was nothing in the direction of where the uh, the voices were coming from. They got louder and louder and louder. And we just felt it felt wrong. Like we, we couldn't be there. It was the point where we, we took our electronic ear pro off, which did amplify everything. And it sounded like they were basically right on top of us. And I, I had nods. Uh, I think so did he, and, you know, we, we had our white lights and we were just, you know, it, it was the point where it was like one of us was packing another of us was like, just intently watching the tree line, like taking turns, like moving, move. <laughs> Like yeah. all that fucking <laughs> bounding away from the uh from the paranormal. Yeah. <laughs> Break contact. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Break spooky contact. Yeah, I just loaded up the car and we fucked off so fast. <laughs> yeah, it uh for me what happened was that I uh I was in a, a mountain communications course and and we had gone up into the mountains and it was winter time when we went there and so there was we had like a, a whole loop around where our tents were at. And then in the center, uh, yeah, it was like the center top, I guess, of the circle, whatever. Uh, there was like the area where we were doing, where it was our CFC. And the area where, where it was the designated bathroom spot was was kind of close to my tent. So you'd go, and my tent was on the, on the you know, right or like inside the path that we had around with snow. You'd step outside the path and walk, you know, 10, 15 yards and you're, you're looking at where the bathroom area was at. Yeah. And so it was our squad's turn to do the watch at night. And, and so we get, we get to our spot and I tell the other guy like, Hey, you can go to sleep. And, um, so I just, I just sit there for the watches were only like an hour. So I sit there for like 45 minutes. I wake him up. I'm like, Hey, I'm going to go wake up the next group of guys, wait until they come here, brief them. And then, and then you can go to sleep. He's like, all right, cool. So I go wake up the next guys. They're, they're getting up. So I'm like, all right, I'm going to go to the bathroom. So I'm I'm going to where the the, the designated spot is and and I start going uh I start you know urinating and and I'm like hearing there so you're looking down like this empty lane essentially and there's like trees on both sides that's like open kind of going down this hill and then it continues for probably another hundred yards in on a kind of a flat because we're on top of this mountain so I'm standing on the top of this hill 
and you can see the trees on both sides. And like I said, it was like a lane and then there was like trees in the back of it. And then you start hearing like all these voices whispering to each other of what sounds like it's coming from both sides of the trees talking across that lane. And they're just whispering and you can't make out any words, but you know that it's it's whispering. It's kind of loud. And uh, and it sounded a lot like uh, if you've watched, if you've ever watched the show Lost, like right before yeah. something bad happens, there's all that whispering. That's that's like what it sounded like. So I freak out. And I'm like, all right, I'm done because this is like two thirty in the morning, three in the morning or whatever. So it's like, you know, there's nobody else up. Everybody's sleeping because we're all beat from from each day of doing stuff. So I finish up real quick. I go get my sleeping bag where I'm safe go to sleep next morning i'm talking to this guy who me and him talked about the folklore stuff and the you know kind of the spooky stories the whole time we were out there and he grew up like an hour from where we were at on this uh on this wool ranch and i asked him i was like hey i heard something weird last night and he just looks at me goes the whispers i was like yeah and he's like and and, because he had watched the you know the ship before me he was the one that woke me that woke us up he goes, yeah, I heard that when I went to go, uh, when I went to take a piss. And I was like, dude, yeah, that was bad. And he was like, oh, yeah. He goes, I've heard that out here growing up, like, all the time. He's like, nothing bad's ever happened, so I just don't even care at this point. <laughs> but the fact that he, like, finished it for me, I was like, all right, I know that I'm not the crazy one. <laughs> yeah, I, I always have that, like, skeptical moment. Where I'm like, oh, well, you know, like, if, if I see something or I feel something, it's like, oh, well, the human brain is a fickle thing. Like, I, I saw some weird stuff during, you know, a a seven day field X and I, I was like sleep fucked. I, I was not, you know, taking in the, the right calories, so and so and so. And, you know, I, I chalk that up to my brain, but it's always when someone else says the same thing and they confirm it <laughs> where everything gets really weird. Yeah. Like, for, for example, that it was the two of us that heard the exact same thing. Um, neither of us said anything for a minute because we just thought it was, you know, our imaginations and that it, it's always different when, when your experience is shared. And then you make eye contact, give each other the nod, and the hairs on the back of your neck stand up. Yeah. <laughs> and then you you unanimously fuck off. But yeah, there was a, actually like another small thing that happened one time. So myself, a friend of mine, and uh, and his uh, his fiance or whatever at the time, we we were going on this little just backpacking loop, and so we had we had found this uh, the small lake that we were going to set up at. So I set up my hammock, and I'm I'm laying there. And I was hearing this this noise kind of at night, and then I just kind of ignored it and went to sleep. And then uh, and the next morning when I woke up, uh, you know, all three of us were awake, and it was pretty early, so we were just kind of all laying there not saying anything. And I don't even know if we knew that each other were awake. And um, and I started hearing it again, and it sounded like like it was coming from underground, and it almost sounded like a tapping sound that started slow with like an even spacing and then it got faster and faster and faster and then it stopped. And then I started hearing it again and again. So I started looking at my watch and it had lasted for exactly 20 seconds each time. And it was spaced nine minutes apart exactly each time. And after it happened a little bit, I, I asked, I was like, Hey, are you awake? And he's like, yeah, I'm awake. And I was like, are you hearing that noise? And he goes, Oh, thank God. I thought I was the only one that was hearing it. Oh <laughs> but, um, shit. We we don't know what it was. It could have just been like a some sort of measuring tool that's underground or something. But I, you know, when we got back, we tried to look up. I tried to do some research to figure out if there are any things that measure the weather patterns in the area, or you know, something about the soil or the water or whatever. Because we were right by a lake, and uh, that makes like an audible sound like that. And I couldn't couldn't find anything. But 
it definitely wasn't a bird or anything because it was so consistent. It was like, you know, right on time every single time. So I'm not sure, but it wasn't, you know, whatever. I just kind of forgot about it afterward. So Holy this shit. This yeah. story I have, this one's not outdoors. This one's actually indoors. As uh, I was in my fourth round of inpatient chemo in the hospital, right? And this. Oh, heck. For this stand, I'm I'm in for about three months in a really bad state at that time. And like sometimes I just feel my heart fluttering out, starting to, you know, kind of lose it and uh, kind of almost like you're tapping out and then just crank my head over to the door. And it seemed like every time I was kind of on that verge, there was this, I don't know how you describe it, kind of dark energy in the doorway, just sitting there waiting and then I try to snap out of it and it would still be there. And I can't really describe it. You know, I've had some people say like, that's the closest of death. Other people say it's like, it was someone dead. I can't explain it. That is the weird experience I've had. Cause it was consistent every time I was, you know, right about to tap out, like sure enough, like that I'd feel this presence come to the room, like the air would come in and there would be no one there. But by God, like there was just this weird energy distortion of the light right in that doorway. And I can to this day not explain it. That's wild. Yeah, fuck, dude. Yeah, and, and I'm curious too, because uh I don't I don't know if either of you guys are are religious or anything like that, but there's there's instances where a lot of um you know, if, if you if you start reading into the the theology and kind of a lot of that stuff. There's a lot of instances where you'll have, you know, whatever you want to call them, demons or, or dark energy or whatever, imitate good things to tempt you over. You know, it's kind of like kind of like a siren, right? It, it sounds like a beautiful song and then you come and, and it's like some underwater monster that eats you or whatever. I don't I don't know the full story, but I'm wondering if it was something that was, you know, maybe potentially good that was trying to scare you. Maybe I'm not sure. Just kind of spitballing ideas. But yeah, that is very weird. The closest I could come to, and we share pretty much the same faith, is uh, I could only come to the conclusion it was death or something similar to that. Um, still don't have a full answer. Probably won't get one until I'm dead. But... <laughs> yeah, it could have been something waiting to pick you up and uh, take you to take you to its house. <laughs> right. Snatch my soul and then wear my skin. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but fuck, dude. Well, I'm... Yeah. You know, I'm glad you're okay. Glad you're you're I'm back so here and that thing fucked off, you know, whatever I'm, it was. I'm stubborn as hell. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's uh it's a good quality to have sometimes. Sometimes not. Yeah. Now a, a few years ago I was not nearly as superstitious as I am. It just kinda happened. You know, the more time you spend outdoors, I think it kinda comes with it. Well you start to realize the old ways weren't so crazy after all, and the people of yesterday kinda knew what they were talking about. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's that's a huge thing too is that when you when you start looking at the the trends of how faith declined or, you know, any sort of spirituality or whatever declined as um the industrial revolution started to really pick up and more places started to get urbanized. Disastrous. Um, exactly. Uh, you know, a brilliant mind said that one time, but uh <laughs> no, uh, it's 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 very common, and that's why you know people associate a lot of uh, you know the the people that are always in the city and and, and all that stuff and and live their life their whole life and existence in the city. 
they'll look at the people that live out in the countryside and they're like, oh, those, you know, backwards hicks that have, that have religious beliefs and all that stuff. But then when you, when you actually spend a lot of time outside and you can start not being as distracted by the constant, you know, LED billboards and noises and, you know, just general hubbub of, of the city, you can look around and you can be like, you know what, something had to make all this. And that's, you know, it's so calculated and perfect. It's like, it's, this didn't just happen overnight. So but it's humbling. It is, it is extremely. And, um, you know, I just, I just got back from, uh, from, I, I had to go on a trip for something and, and I went to the mountains and where I live, I don't have mountains. And so I was out there and every time I go back to the mountains, I'm reminded of just how like beautiful some places are. And, and I can go out in the woods here and I'm like, man, this is awesome. This is great. And then I go out into, you know, either the Appalachian mountains or I've been out, out West to the Rockies and, and all that. I'm like, this is just unbelievable. Oh, it's humbling. And not to just think of being small within the three-dimensional physical space, but just within the space of time, like, you know, living a long, full life of 80 years. I mean, that's just a blip. I mean, that's nothing. <laughs> yeah. I mean, when you think about it too, I mean, even, you know, to go back to mountains, how, how long does it take mountains to form from, from tectonic activity? Millions of years, thousands of years yeah. at a minimum. So you think millions of years just to grow halfway through its life and it's going to continue to grow and, and your whole life is over in 80 years. And you, you know, you just, you have that short time span to live your life and, you know, just kind of looking around at people. And this is kind of one of my big philosophies is why would you try in that short time frame to live the most average life ever? <laughs> yeah. Like the world's your sandbox. You can do whatever you want. Yeah. And it's a lot of people choose to uh, spend it, you know, watching Disney plus and yeah. jerking off. Yeah. And, and that's, that's, I mean, that's, that's wild too. And, and I think that that's why a lot of, uh, a lot of mental illness is starting to really become more popular and more common because people are living these wholly artificial lifestyles that we as humans were not meant to live. And, you know, by artificial, like, so right now all of us are sitting in buildings, mm -hmm. you know, houses that we have had built for us. And everybody has electricity. Everybody has lights on. If you get too warm, you turn on the air conditioning. I, I don't have air conditioning, but, you know, I deal with that. I, I have also fans. Just, I know, also don't have air conditioning. Yeah, you know, maybe we don't have air conditioning. But we have we have fans. And then yeah, you get too, you know, you get too cold. You can turn the heat on. Um, you know, you, you go to, uh, you go anywhere else, right? It doesn't, like even today, right? I, I went to go to the grocery store to pick up a couple small things. And it started like pouring rain. And I'm sitting in my in my car driving there, and I'm like, okay, well, it's pouring rain. I'm going to get a little wet on my way from my vehicle to this grocery store. And I go there real quick, and it's like, I don't need to plan ahead. I don't need to bring a jacket. I don't need to worry about what happens if, if my cotton clothes get soaked, you know, jeans and a t-shirt. I don't need to worry about any of this stuff because I can go home and change or just sit in the heat or, you know, I am always able to be comfortable. So when you start focusing so much on this comfortability, and then that's when you stop doing things that are uncomfortable, like, hey, I'm kind of bored. I'm going to go strap on a, an 80-pound pack and, and go walk around in the woods where there's bugs and I get sweaty and, you know, possibly sunburnt or whatever else. And, uh, you know, you just start like, oh, well, you know, there's there's this new thing on Netflix I'll watch. And so people get home from work with their jobs where they're sitting in front of a computer all day and then they get home and then they watch Netflix for you know, the, the rest of the time. And then they order Uber Eats and some guy delivers Taco Bell and then they go to sleep and 
they wake up and they do the same thing and then they're like man i don't know why uh i just don't feel right <laughs> yeah actually oh man i was i had a rant about this the other day uh mitch and i a couple i think god i, I say the other day but it's like two months ago um this right before his break um we talked about kind of the urbanization of america and i'm, I'm from like medium town canada and and you know don't get me wrong we we have our, our infrastructure problems too i fucking hate it here for uh you know a pile of reasons but this isn't one of them so i i was in the pacific northwest not too long ago and everything is built around cars and i know a lot of america is like this everything is mm-hmm. off of, you know you want to go to the grocery store you're you're going off the freeway you know you you want to go to the convenience store you're you're probably going to drive you can live your entire life and the only walking you have to do assuming you don't work remotely which a lot of people do is from your house to your work and back. You want to go to the pharmacy? There's a drive-through. To the bank? There's a drive-through. Your grocery store? You can have it delivered right to your car. Like you, you want anything? You can get on fucking Amazon. Yep. People can live their entire lives within their bubble. Like if you work from home, you do not need to leave your house at all. And I've met so many people lately who really, at least they they say and they think they like that. That's the lifestyle they want to live. And you, you will know own what? nothing and you will be happy. Eat the bugs. Yeah. And they're happy. The well, at, at they least say like, they're they, happy. they think they're happy. They, they say think they're, they're happy, happy, but then it's like, oh, well, you know. And I, I've got X for my depression, Y for my anxiety. And yeah. Well, that's, that's the other thing, too, is that so many people, you ask them, you know, a casual, hey, what do you think the meaning of life is? And they go, well, to be happy. And so when, when these people start finding these these ways to be happy and they don't have things like, you know, they don't have a family, they don't have a faith, they don't have all this stuff, how do they find their happiness? Through pleasure. And then when you're starting to seek pleasure for everything, because you think that, you know, the goal of life at that point is to have pleasure, that's why these people are becoming super obese and, and you know, addicted to, to pornography and addicted to, you know, whatever other other th- drugs that they do or whatever. And they have to take medication just to wake up. And, you know, it's getting to the point where you'll see memes online where people are like, oh, I don't know how people just raw dog life without being medicated. And it's like, are you, are you serious? Like, you know, like it's it's not her. <laughs> it's not her. No. And, and I, I mean, I'm, I'm not saying that, you know, a lot of mental disorders don't exist, but I do think most can be treated. And I think to treat them, there, there's a, and I, I've said this before, a limited amount of things that you should do. Go outside, mm-hmm. fucking touch grass. Be sure to like, put good things into your body don't just eat shit don't just eat sugar and you know instant noodles or whatever the hell else you're eating you know hey do you guys like war belts (laughs) well let me tell you about a super high military grade army spec (laughs) war belt from one of our most near and dear sponsors advanced warfighter solutions not only are they super high military grade and quality, they are also civilian grade and quality and actually really fucking cool belts. I highly recommend that you get one. I've been using mine for years, even long before AWS has been a sponsor of this podcast. So if you use code Art and War 10, you can save some, I think it's $10 off of uh, AWS SMU Warfighting Belt. We don't get any kickback from that. You just save money and they're a uh, they're an awesome company that also contributed to Nathan's iPad fund because he needed a new iPad. So good for them. They're really cool. Thank you very much. Thanks, AWS. Hey, this is Mitchell with Seaburn Art. Did you know that we have a Patreon? 
we do have a Patreon and there's a ton of cool things there. Super cool things. And Nathan's going to tell you about them. Hey guys, Nathan here from the Art and War podcast here to tell you about Patreon. Um, there's a, a 24 hour Korean massage parlor several blocks from my house and I go there for happy endings. It gets pretty expensive and I need you to donate me money so I can continue to, to serve my dark um, my dark addiction. Not only can you help Nathan get hand jobs from Koreans, you can also help us continue to improve the quality of content that we do. You get merch now after a couple months of being a Patreon subscriber, which is cool. We also have stickers and we also have high res downloadable targets that you can download sent to Staples and get weird looks when you print them out to bring them to your range and shoot. Also, all of our guides, all of our guides are downloadable high res so if you want to print them out and make a cool little book yeah you can go for that too you can find our patreon via the link in this episode's description or in the cbernard pages bio on instagram now let's get back to the show oh. <laughs> um that ties yep. so much into the medical yeah. industrial complex in my God, oh yeah episode to talk about that crap Dude, let's fu- fucking go. Fucking go. I I love this shit. Doctors don't exist. You just have government legalized drug dealers. Yeah. Yep. Yep. And don't get me wrong. Yeah. I've had I've had some great doctors who genuinely cared about my health. Yeah. The 95, 99% of the ones I've dealt with have been like, oh, your liver's not working? Well, I guess we'll just give you some drugs. Yeah. Not, hey, what's your sleep looking like? What's your diet looking like? Are you getting sunlight? Are you working out? What are you doing? Yeah. Those were never even questions. Actually, God. And I, I see it. Um, I, I used to date a, uh, a woman who's now a doctor, and my sister is now a doctor, and both of them I, I kind of saw go through the process. And God, I had this conversation with my sister just you know a couple of weeks ago, and she she's, ta- you know, I'm not going to dox her, and you know she didn't put this shit all over social media as she does. Uh, I wouldn't be saying it, but she's talking about how she's, you know, sad all the time and, you know, depressed. And I'm like, hey, you know, I, I go to the gym every day. If you want to come with me, I found it helps a lot. You know, it, exercise really helps you get out of your own head because she doesn't she doesn't live super far from me. And I could just, you know, swing by and grab her whenever I go. And she goes, no, nah, I'd rather take a pill. Like she, She's <laughs> obvious about it. You know, I'm not even paraphrasing like, oh, yeah, it's just easier. It's the easy out too, right? You know, everything everything for us now is so instant. Like, if you're like, oh, I need to order this. And you yeah. look online, like, I need this item. You look online, it's not prime eligible. And I'm I'm even uh, I'm even guilty of it sometimes too. I'll be oh, like, oh, I ordered this online. And the lead times are atrocious. And it's like, I paid 100% of the money. I want it now. Um, but when you're, when you're so used to that instant gratification, the pill is starting to take place that instant gratification and things that aren't like a materialist uh, point of view, right? Oh, my health is starting to sink. I'll take this pill that they say is going to make me better. And I'm, I've learned not to question, you know, the people in the white lab coats. So I'm going to just assume that it's going to make me great and no issues. Yeah. And you just, you have two issues. One, you have doctors who, and I'm not going to completely blame them because it's all they were taught, but who just view it as let's just give you a drug to, you know, solve this issue that we're dealing with currently. But also you don't have them asking questions of not just like the basic things, you know, like sunlight, eat well, all that, but like, how did you get sick? Yeah. And if you keep asking why, 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 eventually they just can't answer the question. Yeah. And that's, that's so for my, for my normal day job, um, I work as a, I work as an engineer for, for a large plant and, um, 
you know, we'll have, we'll have equipment breakdowns and things like that. And the technicians that are out to fix them, you'll be like, they'll be like, Oh, this was the problem. So I, I moved it or I fixed it or I replaced it. You're like, okay, how did that happen? And they're like, I don't know. And it's like, you know, the, to, to really get down to the, so like the, to get a proper solution, you need to have a root cause analysis and you need to ask why five times do all that stuff that, that is like push, but nobody ever does that stuff. If you ask why five times, you'll generally get pretty damn close to the, the root cause of something and you can analyze it and then you can attack the root cause, right? It's like the same thing. Like if, if you have a wart, if you just keep cutting off the, the end of it, it's just going to keep growing back. You got to attack the root. So once you attack the root and you kill it, then, you know, you don't have it any longer. Yeah, and it's it's just so frustrating because you see it of like the answers are just so simple and not only are doctors not getting it, but like this one time, this is the angriest I'd ever been in my entire life. I was doing an out, outpatient and I'm just hanging on for life, right? I'm like right now I'm about 220, 230. Then I was about 170, 180, um, basically a POW. And yeah, like on, in, on your frame, you're like yeah. the, the audience can't see you. You're you're a big dude, not yeah. like like built big. Yeah. Um, and there's people in there who are like literally 300 pounds in outpatient chemo, literally eating a bag of Cheetos with a two liter Coke. I'm like, part of my language. Why the fuck do you think you're here? Yeah. Like the the answer's right in front of you. Like I I can't feel bad for those kinds of people. You know, like I understand like a lot of kind of the the proper health um, ways aren't necessarily propagated like they should be. Yeah, um, but there's a certain point where it's like, you yeah. know, like, you know, Coca-Cola is bad for you. Exactly. You know that. Yeah, it, like uh, there's a certain point where it's willful ignorance. Exactly. It's and you see that with like the fat acceptance movement of, you know, riding the riding the tail of like the the disability acceptance movement you know like you had all these vets with like burns and like people were like paralyzed and all that and like that was great and then in here comes this cancerous tumor tagging along with that yeah jesus yeah i think that the that the like reliance on technology is really why that's happening because now people are saying oh you know i don't like the the old ways of of sunlight and eating right and all that stuff are outdated i can have the new proper technological way to fix things in in you know my fast-paced futuristic you know technophile environment where all this technology and all these all these great minds that are aided by the the latest and greatest uh you know technology can just make this little pill and i can eat it and everything goes away and honestly i think that the boomers really started that mindset oh and that's every every boomer you talk to they're like yeah every day i gotta wake up and take my seven pills and and all that stuff and you're like dude you are not and you're you're barely being held together like yeah what if every what if every day you had to do seven tasks to your hell to your house or else it would fall apart you'd you'd probably try to find like you'd find out how to not have to do that anymore <laughs> yeah you'd buy a new fucking house <laughs> <laughs> yeah and i could tell you just writing on that from like the personal experience of for years just riding on that medication train then as soon as i just say screw this i'm out i'm gonna try something different like for the people listening like you are going to feel so much better just cutting out like some simple things from your diet like seed oils you know ditch the fluorinated water you know uh stop eating fried food 
get some sunlight, go work out, and you're just going to feel better. Like it's it's impossible to not. Bro, those are just conspiracy theories. Yeah, that's right, dangerous. Right. <laughs> it's dangerous thinking. Wrong thing. Yeah, that's that's a wrong think. Your your refrigerator yeah. is going to turn off. <laughs> I think oh, man. AC 130 outside my house. Yeah. <laughs> just a 120 mil just soars through your window, turns yeah. you into fucking red goo. Um, With my luck, I'd probably live. <laughs> <laughs> I made a joke the other day about... Uh, that that was something like kind of attacking uh attacking Mossad and somebody was like, Oh, be careful, there's gonna be a Tavor pointed outside your window. And I was like, Oh no, the balance point is too great, I'm no match. <laughs> uh, don't, <laughs> uh, don't worry, you're you're not like a, a twelve year old Palestinian child. Yeah, I'm not gonna get three sixty no scoped and then uh, <laughs> by somebody who's gonna go post a TikTok later. <laughs> With some IDF like uh Fortnite dancing over your dead body. Yeah. <laughs> imagine like imagine like living your whole life and uh you know it's kind of like a flip but like you know if if World War 3 ever kicks off or you know whatever when it does however you want to look at it imagine being some guy who's like all right you know I'm I'm the best train that my country has to offer and then you just get like zapped by some kid with some zoomer perm who like Fortnite dances over your dead body <laughs> and then runs off. Some homeless guy just domes you with a high point because he didn't know how it works and he just checks your body for cigs. That was actually a uh, a thing not too long ago where this uh, I remember it was a couple of years ago, but this this guy killed a woman in an alley and uh, they found that he was an illegal immigrant who every time he would come over he would uh, he would get busted for some firearms related thing and then they would just send him back and he got out of it he got out of a murder charge. Um, by saying that he didn't know what was going to happen if this he was in California, wasn't it? I remember this. Case. Yes, it was. It was Santa it was. Monica. Uh, I don't know. I don't care what happens in California. I don't care what those places are named. <laughs> Sodom and Gomorrah. <laughs> oh, Nathan, you uh, muted yeah, you're, your mic. You're muted, bro. I can see your mouth moving, but your your words aren't sounding. Oh God damn it! Okay, here, yeah, I'm back. I'm, I'm not sure how that happened. Yeah, I put a CZ Scorpion in the chat, and imagine being clapped by that thing. It is <laughs> like, oh my lord, this looks like a straight <laughs> out of Modern Warfare too. <laughs> a lot of work, men, to, like uh, to to yeah. the people who can't. I don't even know how to turn this, this thing into work. This guy spent at least a grand getting this thing seracoded. And then another one. I, I don't know how he got the unicorn head on there. Yeah. Like a lot of custom work went into this. That's but. that's the the problem too with this is like and, and you know, it might not be this. This this in particular might be somebody has the has the resources and they just want to make it look funny or whatever, but uh like the people that go out of their way to make their guns look like that, like there, there's something that's that's with like the gun industry now that's such like a consumerist thing and i think that that's why we see like all the trends jump around so much is just because people see stuff and they'll be like oh that's cool i don't have that yet like i need that you're like do you really need that or is that is that I something mean, different just take an economist's kind of viewpoint of let's just say that guy dumped a thousand dollars on that gun with that thousand dollars what else could i have done with that i mean there's a trade-off <laughs> for everything like even if i had all my bases covered what about my buddies? Could I have helped, you know, give them a loan so they can get, you know, nods or something? Would that enhance my capabilities? Could I have gotten extra food? It's 
the, like your money can only take you so far unless you have Cordova, I guess, but uh, <laughs> <laughs> sky's the limit there. Uh, but you're trading off everything you do is a trade off, right? So for example, like someone's in the comment section of you and they have some stupid opinion that's completely worthless. Like, you giving them time and energy is a trade-off. You could have used that time and energy for something else. You could be reading. You could be, you know, practicing dry fire. There's everything's a trade-off, and you need to view that with everything in your life as a trade-off, so that you can start prioritizing the things that you actually need to prioritize, rather than just willy-nilly buying the next, you know, patch drop and giving everyone who's anyone your attention. Hey, now don't say that I'm about to do a patch drop. You you need to buy the patches, or else how will people know that you're cool? <laughs> Consume that's, the product. That's, yeah, Get that's actually more. For, yeah, that's more important than buying a gun. Actually, is just oh, having absolutely. every exposed piece of Velcro on your kit covered with something, so you look like a NASCAR driver. Yeah, like and, that is what's really important. And we really need to ignore all these, you know, case studies of people being identified by their clothing, their camo, their patches, and all that. Just completely throw that out the window. It's a conspiracy, and you shouldn't have to worry about it at all. Yeah, it's wrong thing. Um, exactly. Think. So something that I do, though, uh, if I'm, like, contemplating getting something like um, – like, like there was a, there was a good deal that one of my friends was selling like a, a decent long range gun for, and where I'm at, I don't really have long range shooting. I don't really have ranges out here that, that I can do that at. And I don't have even the public land to do that unless I find, you know, like a, a power line strip in like a national forest within yeah. my state. So I'm thinking about it and I'm like, okay, let's say that I drop, you know, let, let's say a thousand dollars. Cause it's a nice round, even number, but I spent a thousand dollars on this setup. If I use it three times a year, each time that I'm using it, it's like I borrowed it from somebody for three hundred and thirty three dollars yeah. right so you're how much you're gonna use it is going to end up telling you whether it's gonna pay it off or not right if you if you spend uh if you spend money on cries right a lot of people like to uh like to talk shit about buying cries, which you know sometimes you know they're 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 just pants i've done I've done cooler stuff wearing regular marine issue bdus but uh like, let's say that you spend 300 bucks on these pants, but you use them 300 times a year. You know, now you're only spending a dollar per use. And then after that first year at, at you know, you know, you get, you get what I'm saying. So, exactly. you know, if, if you're going to spend good money on something, that's not bad. If, as long as you use it enough to justify the cost. Now, if you have some super niche thing that you can only use every now and then, but it's extremely important, that's a different case, but you know. And I'll go as far as, you know, I, I would I would say if your needs are squared away to a degree, like enjoyment is a thing that, oh, that I would take into effect. With that being said, like... You're not allowed to have fun. No. Misery this only. Is, yeah, this is serious. Sit inside, <laughs> watch the screen, eat the bug. <laughs> <laughs> Gotta be ready for Klaus Schwab. But, but that being said, yeah, it's, it's very often, you know, friends will ask, like, you spent that much on what? It's like, yes, I'm at the range three times a week or two times a week. I have used this, you know, a hundred times in the last year, 200 times in the last year. We're like, why would you spend $350 on boots? Yeah, but you, you use them every day. Yeah, you know, it's, it can be the, you can be the man that spends, you know, $10 each on 10 pairs of shoes or a hundred dollars on one pair of shoes. And yeah. the, the hundred dollar shoes will last you the rest of your life. 
or at least the next couple of years, whereas you're going to have to replace the, the cheaper ones every few months. It's mindset. And this consumerist mindset ties into this larger issue I see, and you'll see this kind of with the fad following as well. And this larger issue we see is a lack of critical thinking and learned helplessness. <laughs> guys, and I notice it all the time, like guys don't know how to think for themselves because they've been told what to think, not how to think. And, and that's from day one. That's exactly. like a that's like from elementary school till oh, yeah. you get to your job, especially, you know, I'm in the military. I'll say it like especially in the military. That's that's a huge thing, too. It's a, you know, what scope do you get? And it's like, <laughs> I, I don't know your situation, bro. I don't know where you're at. I don't know what you're trying to do. Like, what's your budget? Uh, uh, I don't know. Vortex Razor six to thirty six. You didn't specify a budget like and tying this kind of this larger idea of what I'm trying to do. And I noticed you're doing it as well. Both of you is getting guys to start to think like, what's your mission set? What's your environment? How many guys do you have in your team? You know, like this DMR probably doesn't make sense if you're rolling solo. Like it's a designated marksman rifle. It's supposed to go for a designated marksman who is part of a larger squad. So, and you'll probably see this with uh, Lucas's video coming out this weekend. If guys are going to be like, oh, DMR, DMR, and miss the entire point yeah. of the DMR. Yeah. Or like when Garen Thumb's Recce video came out, everyone's like, yeah. oh, yeah, 14.5 with an LPBO. And it's like, <laughs> and, and he said himself, like, guys, no, this is not what I wanted. This is not a trend. I'm trying to make you yeah. think. Like, it's <laughs> my friendship with Mark 18 has ended. My friendship with 14.5 LPBO has begun. <laughs> And then you see the counter to the counter of that. It's like, well, Mark 18s are useless. It's like, well, no, backpack guns are a thing, and they do have a use for, you know, like truck guns and all that. Um, yeah, my my main rifle is a 12.5 with – it had an EOTech on a, on a riser. I ended up selling that for a uh, an Aimpoint T1 on an overbore riser that uh, I was having troubles with over, over the weekend, but oh, I got to mess with it. But ideally my – what's that? What happened with the uh, the T1? Either the mount or the T1 itself was loose, and then a couple times after I'd fire the T1, the the dot would turn off, and I'd have to cycle power to, to get it turned back on. And I had a new battery in it, and it was still it still happened once, so I'll have to tinker with it. I firmly believe the next step for gun culture is getting kind of tying back and not to recircle is just getting guys to think for themselves. Because, yes, like let's just say all these pages got wiped off the map. Could these people? It just happened, eh? Um, yeah, yeah. <laughs> a month ago. Oh my god! I just, I, I fucking did it. I fucking did it. Um, yeah, no, a ton of people just got wiped yesterday. Yeah, I mean, oh really? Yeah, yeah no, a fucking ton. Maybe the day before yesterday, but I yeah. was driving for like nine hours yesterday. I was not online. <laughs> yeah, no, a ton of people got the zuck. And I've said this for me is like the end goal for my page is for it to be completely useless and that people don't need it. That's the end goal. Is yeah. that? Guys can take their own journey and take care of themselves, regardless of where they're at on that journey, to where they they don't need us. Like, at the, I mean, obviously you do like entertainment, art, and you know, wide variety compared to like me and Coniferous. But yeah, but at the uh, same time, like the the primary reason, at least for me, I don't know yeah. about Mitch, and I can't speak for him, is educational content. It, it, yeah. It's similar. Like, entertainment draws people in, and like I'll cringe my own boomer jokes often, actually. Mm -hmm. um, but it gets people in, and then it's like, all right, well, here's how you you do an L-shaped ambush. Yeah. Here's how you know you can you conduct a recce. And I'll even take that a step further. Of I just won't give yeah, guys I, the information. I really, I really like. 
<laughs> I'll just start asking them questions. <laughs> but it, it's it's that. And I, I truly believe that some people are completely incapable. Like, no matter what you do, yeah. they are incapable of th- critical thinking. Like, they are... The, the worst um, I've ever seen is... Yeah. I asked Sky Pirate this because he commented on a learned helplessness uh, story post I put up. I was yeah. like, what's the worst? Oh, the lockpicking guy? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I like him. Um, great guy. Great guy. Definitely worth yeah. having him on. Um, but he sent me a video of this chat between this guy. And he said, hey, go pick up a clear lock on Amazon. Guy says, I can't find it. <laughs> so he sends a video, types in clear lock on Amazon and first 20 results. And it's like you either, one, didn't even look. Or two, are completely incompetent, in which case I can't help you at all. The the worst is when you you talk about something like, hey, I use this, and or this is my entire setup, and somebody's like, hey, what uh, what rail is that? And you're like, it's literally in the description. I just told you what rail it is, or something like that. But yeah, what happens a lot, and it's it's actually a lot more satisfying because you can start to see the lights click on. Um, is that when people ask you a question, you start answering questions or you start asking them questions and then eventually they answer their own question. Exactly. Like you said. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I'm not going to give you the answer every time because it's going to, it's going to get you to start developing like that, that helplessness kind of thing. Sorry. Yeah. I to... yeah, yeah. No, I just took them off. I just audio quality would be a little better on this. Um, it's just like in guys who are like, Oh, I'm, preparing for the collapse or like even guys who are in Ukraine right now who are like literally going to have to defend their town are like, you know, what gun do you buy? I'm like, have you, you've never even heard of MetTC. You completely ignored the response. And like, you believe firmly that you are ready for whatever the world is going to throw at you. Is that, am I following correctly? You're more worried about a rail than how to get to where you need to go, get back from where you need to go, collect the intelligence you need. And I'm uh, sometimes I'm just bewildered. Yeah, that's that's the other thing too. Is like I've I've talked about this with my friends too. Like if you're at the point now where you're wondering, hey, what barrel length should I get? Hey, what gun should I get? What should I do for this? Like, dude, you are leagues behind. I have bad news yeah. for you. Like, there's a lot more important stuff. You know, if if, if we're talking a couple of years ago, maybe, but uh, but even now, like people will be like, oh, should I get a a 14.5 or a 20 inch and it's like you know there, there's there's aside from all the other questions of what are you doing what's your environment like what's even your height right is it going to be more fitting for you things like that mm-hmm. it's like well what's what's the max range you're going to be shooting uh no more than like 300 and that's a stretch okay 14.5 is going to kill people 20 inches is going to kill people that's your ultimate goal with buying a rifle is to kill people and so just get the one that's more comfortable. <laughs> like, yeah. yeah. And you, you see the same thing with like uh, tactics too. I mean, it was pretty prolific with Redbeard. He made a, a oh, comment like on it. it of like, they're not just cutting, like they're not cut and paste. It's that you're dealing with a concept from which you can mold to your exact situation. It's not like mm-hmm. I need to do exactly this and exactly this time. And it'll work every time. That's, that's not how this works. This is real life. Things aren't black and white. But I I feel a lot of people too, and this bothers me probably more than anything else, they will tie their identities up with their particular gear choices or their, like, oh, yes, like I I run a uh, 
you know, a micro rig and a 10.3 and whatnot. And, and like, this is the only way you can do it. It doesn't matter. Everything's, and you know, it goes the other way too. It's like, oh, I got a 20 inch with a carry handle and I have a full Alice sustainment rig and there is no other way you can do things. <laughs> and I only well, listen you- to Vaporwave. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, dude, like Chicom guys and NBA were rolling with like literal cloth on their chest and like ghillie suits and were stopping the entire might of the u.s military was just like efficient use of firepower yeah yeah and, and that's what uh that's what even cab and i have on, on the podcast were saying uh i think it might have been even last episode that was like the the one where lands had quit <laughs> quit out of uh mm-hmm. but um you know like a chicom rig is is enough it really is when once you start looking at other rigs like right now behind me, I have a, a Haley um, Haley Heavy hang on my wall. That's inspired off of a Chicom rig with a couple other things, you know, done to it, right? So they took the Chicom rig and they said, oh, you know, this works a little bit better if we take the top off and we have it open top. We shorten the, shorten the pouches a little bit. Okay, now it works a little bit better if we take, you know, an admin pouch here and here. And that's, you know, when you look at a... Uh, you know any gear it's it's often just an evolution of things that have come before so you know the chicom rig works it's fine and uh, a buddy of mine um he actually just he he like modified a chicom rig to be uh you know he took like all these alice pouches and sewed them on and stuff and it looks pretty sweet he uh basically made like a more usable rig out of a chicom rig that's really freaking clever uh god i've had a chicom rig people get really really uh stuck on the details and the brand names and everything else it's, i'd never it's, tell anyone to you know buy amazon shit but but it's such a minute part of everything like getting is. from point a to point b collecting again collecting the intelligence you need like forming a network it's all hard stuff that takes oh wait for it effort and energy <laughs> and planning and everyone just wants the easy way out they just want to like a lot of work exactly right um, and they just want spoon fed answers for exactly what they want to hear rather than spending time and energy in, to learn this stuff. And it's like, anyone can learn this. Like, let me be the, the, the example. Like you can learn this stuff. It's just going to take effort. How much effort are you willing, willing to put in? Yeah, it's, uh, I remember, you know, when I did CQB back in the day and all that, that bullshit, we did them on M16A2s. Um, I did them on A4s. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, yeah, it. I, I remember Blake Water, um, one of the Orion Training Group guys. I think he runs Maneuver, Maneuver, Training Solutions, something like mm-hmm. that. Either mm-hmm. way, he, he posts a lot of really good content. I think it's like Manual of Arms Minutes and whatnot. Yep. And he he uh, mentioned exactly what you said. It's like, guys, don't get caught up on the on the details. Learn how to use everything. I can do CQB with a ten point five inch. I can do CQB with a twenty inch. Are yeah. it, like is one better for the other for this particular purpose? Yes. Well, that was. Uh, should you be able to do both? Yes. Sorry. No, uh, that was who I reached out to. So I had gotten a twelve point five barrel sent to me from a friend, and you know, at one point we thought that it got lost in the mail, and I was like, you know what? Maybe instead I should just do an eighteen inch with a rifle length, so that way my dwell time isn't isn't fucked with like a sixteen inch and some other stuff. And the twelve five arrives, and I'm like, all right. I kind of started to get like married to this idea of an 18 because um, I just like to try any things anyway. But uh, 
so I reached out to Blake because reading reading online, you can read velocities at different inches and you can figure out the the uh, drop in velocity between you know each barrel length that you're using depending on what uh, what round you're using and all that. And so in the Marine Corps, we do 14.5 inch M4s and we take them out to 500 for, for our qual. And when, you, when you're actually looking at the holes at 500, it's like, you know, there's no paper tear around it. It's like a clean hole. And it's, it's like, you know, I don't, I don't know how well this is going to be working really. Like when you're, when you get closer, the holes look a little bit more impressive. Um, like when you're shooting at a closer range. So I, I reach out to Blake and I'm like, Hey, can a 14.5 inch M4 actually kill at 500 meters? He goes, yep. And I go, good enough for me. Cause with the 12, five to 14, five, the velocity difference is minimal. And so if this guy's saying, and I know that he knows what he's talking about, that a 14.5 can kill at 500 yards, a 12.5 is good enough for me. And I have very thick woods and all that stuff. And, you know, now I can throw that shit in a tennis bag and throw it in the back of my car and nobody will ever know that it's in there. Yeah. 12.5 is a really, really good barrel length. Yeah. And, and you know, I don't need, I don't need the 18 inch uh, barrel because, or a 20 inch because I'm not, I'm not shooting out super high precision out that far, right? If I have good enough ammo, I can, I can shoot out to 500 yards. I'm sure, um, depending on what my zero is like too. But you know, twelve five and fourteen five are my two, my two main rifle lengths that I use. How often do each of you get, like, when you give someone a solution to their problem, offer you some counter argument as to why they can't do it? <laughs> oh, dude, every fucking day. Like, uh, there's one of my friends, God love him, one of my best friends, he just, uh, you know, he's finally getting down the gun pipeline. I've known him for years and years and years. And, you know, he just bought a Glock 17. And, you know, he's getting into airsoft. He listens to this. So uh, if you can hear this, fuck you, Stefan. Um, (laughs) Love you, bud. And, uh, you know, I I just give him a little bit of advice. Like, hey, hey, here's how you do a tactical reload. Here's, you know, how how you set. Because he started nothing. Like nothing, nothing. And, you know, I sent him one of my spare LPVOs, just, you know, not, not a, not a razor or anything. Um, and, you know, one of the things I'm saying, cause he, he really enjoys this and, you know, he's getting into both real and airsoft. Hey, maybe get, get a, get a light, just get a light, put that on your EDC, you know, put that on, on your airsoft gun, see if you like that. Maybe get an AR, you know, built. And the light is the one thing he's fighting me about. Everything else, you know, he he'll he'll do. But, you know, a light will give away my position. No, a light will. And you know, he's fought me basically every step in the way. He finally caves on on particular things, and he'll go like, "Oh, dude, you were right. I'm so sorry <laughs> I ever doubted you." No, like, oh well, it, it's good to you know not put magazines in my pockets. No, it's good to you know have a sling I didn't buy on Amazon. It's good to have a sling in general. And but a light is the one thing he just won't budge because. So and if you're listening to Stefan, buy a fucking light. It's with to, uh, that mentality in the I can't do this or I can't figure this out mentality. It's like, you're right. You're absolutely right. With that approach to your problem, you're absolutely right. You're not going to solve it. If your approach is I will solve this at some point, you're going to figure it out. That is your mentality towards that situation will will it into existence. So to to back your point too, so over the over the last weekend, my friends and I were were all out at uh some some private land that our one friend has and, and we were shooting and stuff and we were doing some low light and nighttime shooting. So we were trying to get in a lot of stuff that you can't normally do at ranges like, you know, 
passive aiming one r ones at night and and you know just just those basic mechanics and actually getting drills out there under night vision through passive aiming laser all that stuff so one thing that i was doing was i was trying to get some white light stuff in and some some night vision stuff and uh some of the guys that we were with didn't have night vision either but but what i was doing was on uh because the way his range setup is is that there's kind of an opening with like a hill in the back and there's like a creek um so we set targets on like kind of both sides of the creeks and then there's there's like a path that goes up the hill so you're kind of on the path that's going up the hill shooting into this small opening and um i was on one side of the path and it's like overgrown on both sides and white light would come on i'd hit one of the targets and then while moving to the other side of the path i would reload under complete uh you know darkness not using night vision white light would come on i'd hit the other target and you start to think like how terrifying would that be you know your whole position gets spotlighted your buddy gets his, his brain shot twice and then all of a sudden the light's in a completely different spot and then you're down like that's got to be terrifying and, and if you're quick enough with your target acquisition and you're quick enough with your movements and you're not negligently hitting your white light when you're not actually shooting right because you you can reload without having to see and that's kind of what i was doing was make sure that i know my weapon good enough to where i can reload without looking um and it was pitch black at this point too like your your white light is just going to help you find the target and get on target and pull that trigger quicker than than them be able to see you react and go oh that's not a guy that's on my team point the gun at you and then pull the trigger right they're not wait unless you're constantly coming up to the same spot and hitting your white light and turning it on like you got to constantly be moving and that ties into something i was thinking today is what is man's biggest fear a lot of people say like you know humans are naturally scared of loud sounds and like heights and those are shared with other animals as well but the one fear that man has that other animals don't have is unpredictability Oh, I was going to say when wet food touches you and you're cleaning dishes, but <laughs> that's a good one too. Um, but humans are, are completely scared of unpredictability. I mean, like if you see a crazy person down on the street, what makes you so scared of them? It's not necessarily what they're doing. It's that because they operate on an Ill illogical standpoint, whereas most people operate somewhat logically, you can predict what those normal people are going to do. That crazy person is completely random. It's a roll of the dice of whatever they're going to do at any point in time. And that is terrifying. And that kind of ties into, you know, conflict as well as what is, why is, you know, war or violence so scary? It's because, you know, like everything in that situation from your life to, you know, your well-being and wealth is completely up for grabs. You know, you could say the same thing of, you know, going outside and maybe a tree will fall on you, but there's you could have some amount of predictability that you're going to make it through the day. Whereas within conflict, that's anything's up for grabs. It's, it's a completely chance. Yeah. That's why a lot of like guerrilla warfare and IEDs and stuff are so psychologically oh, yeah. damaging too, because you're constantly on edge and you're like, the only thing that's guaranteed is that if, when this happens, I'm not going to know it. Right. You don't even know if it's going to happen that day. Yeah. You don't know if it is going to happen. You don't know how often it's going to happen whatever so you're constantly on edge i mean look at the ira and my last oh, yeah. kind of ties into this with long-range harassment of like you don't necessarily even have to hit the guy the ira were notoriously not great shots however <laughs> they're probably <just> drunk <laughs> <laughs> just some 
drunk potato farmers just taking pot shots at the English. <laughs> it was very effective. Brits out. <laughs> but, very powerful. But just taking pot shots at guys, now these English soldiers are hunkering down in their uh, road checkpoints, not even doing their job, and now the IRA has complete freedom of movement. And it just, no one likes that unpredictability. No one wants to go step outside with the chance that they could be, you know, blown up, shot, whatever. Yeah. And and that's, I mean, that's super common, even with the GWAT, right? Like, oh, yeah. Is, is, and, and that's one of my favorite things is to remind that, you know, some of the stuff that we learn as far as the GWAT goes and some of the tactics that we've learned and, in, in, you know, takeaways that some guys have said, oh, in my experience is what we did. Well, we still lost. So was it really the right thing to do? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, yeah. And, you know, they kind of, you see the same thing going over and over with the adversaries of the U.S. military, you know, like, oh, they're just rice farmers. Oh, they're just, you know, sand China farmers. Man. Yeah. <laughs> do human wave. And then they go, oh, it's just some goat herders. And it's, if you look at what these guys do, regardless of their level of education or their intelligence, like their tactics are fairly sound. I think that one big thing too, that a lot of people don't think about that the military does actually give you a really good uh, um, step up on is the discipline. Oh, yeah. So one thing that I um, notice a lot is that if you're, if you're training patrolling tactics and stuff, after it's been a couple of days and you haven't really slept that much and you're getting close to the car and the trip's almost over and stuff, a lot of guys stop looking around constantly, you know, every three to five steps, they stop echoing hand and arm signals because they're not looking. They stop doing all these basic things that are, are disciplinary uh, in nature. And, and that even happens in the military, right? Guys lose discipline as soon as they start getting tired and they start getting like, oh, you know, we're almost done. I just need to kind of coast through this until the end. But just being able to have that discipline is such an important thing. And uh, there was a story that I'd heard. And I'm going to be honest, I, I think that I heard it in person from a guy that was in my unit. I might have heard it online. I don't I don't know. But essentially, there was this village that in Afghanistan that these guys would always go to. And they would always go and hand out food and things like that. And um, they knew that there was a lot of Taliban nearby. And they were they were getting in firefights every now and then in this area. And they're, they're, you know, they're hanging out and they look up and they on the mountains and they can see something that kind of looks like a triangle and it's not moving. And they're like, oh, that's kind of weird, whatever. They don't really think too much about it. I think that one guy might have seen it and not said anything. And, and then they kind of went out of their way. The next day they go back there and he sees it again. He doesn't say anything and everybody does their thing and then leaves. Following day, sees it again. And same thing, same spot hasn't moved. And he mentions and he goes, Hey, does anyone else see that that triangle up there? And they're like, "Oh yeah, you know, a couple other people had mentioned that they had noticed it too." And so, one of the guys that was with them uh, pulls out his his rifle that had a scope on it, and he scopes this guy, or they use binos or whatever, and they noticed that it was a, a Taliban that was squatting, or they presume it was a Taliban that was squatting in the same position for three days straight, watching them. Holy shit! And from that distance of however far away, you know, he just looked like a triangle. But the fact that this guy, who everybody chalks up as, oh, they wipe with their hand, they dirt, they they farm dirt, and, you know, they're uneducated and, and all that stuff, which it is crazy. Like, you'll go to these villages of people and, and, you know, so I've been told I've never, I haven't been over there, but you'll go to these villages of people and they don't even know 
who you are. They don't know what America is. They don't even know that Kabul, the capital, is 40, 40 miles north or whatever. Like they're just so, you know, their their entire existence is in their village. And um, it doesn't mean that they're not formidable fighters or that you should undermine them or anything like that because they will willingly squat in sandals for three days straight watching your position without moving just to get an edge on you. Yeah, they just they have more hustle. I mean, it's it, you kind of see this in athletics as well as like the guy who actually hustles, even if he has no skill compared to the guy with a lot of skill and a lot of talent who just doesn't hustle. The guy who hustles is going to get that spot all day. Hmm. Yeah, he's going to be the one who's playing on Friday, Saturday, whatever night. And he's going to be the one that's getting all the trophies and awards because he's just willing to put in the work deci- despite being the underdog. Yep. Yeah, mindset Holy is everything. And discipline. Oh, yeah. And just and creative is- thinking. You yeah. know, like I see this a lot with guys starting to study doctrine, uh, especially Western doctrine, of just kind of try to fight you know, wherever they're at, you know, if they're in Ukraine or Myanmar or wherever they are, whatever their goals are, of trying to plan to fight fire with fire. And it's cool to know, but at the end of the day, that's not how you would win as a smaller force. You're going to get wiped off the map eventually. You know, like take, for example, the NVA, or actually let's do the Chinese, Chinese in South, South Korea. Um, what they would do when assaulting like the Marines positions was they would do what looked like a complete human wave. And what American forces would do is what they'd always do, you know, get on the line, start to return fire. They knew this. So that wouldn't be the main attack. That would be the diversionary attack. So their main attack would be from the rear and the, from the flanks with sniper teams, sapper teams and all of that. So how they, you know, understanding and studying history and looking at how people approach the problems that they encountered and not just looking at it from a, you know, we just need to be bigger and stronger perspective definitely will help open your brain up to more creative solutions to the problems you may encounter, you know, whether that be, again, if you're in Ukraine, if you're in middle of Africa or Myanmar, wherever you're at. That's the, uh, the problems of bureaucracy and the fact that Pete, People these days think that we are smarter, but I, I think we, no, no, not at all. We follow the same bureaucratic <laughs> fucking problems that, you know, humans have all through history. Yeah. It's, you, you know, I'm, I'm sure that uh, tacticians in, you know, the 1950s and the 40s and the 30s and, you know, all through time went, oh, well, you know, we're just stronger and, you know, we won't fall victim to the, the same tactical errors that people did in the last war or the last war or the last war. But even like, and I know there's like, I know I got plenty of buddies who are in trying to like change that within like the U.S. military, but you still see the same approach since World War II of just like get on a line, have more force than they do. And I mean, we'll call it kind of cool names from a macro perspective, like maneuver warfare. But at the end of the day, we're still approaching the same problems the same way yeah. and expecting change. And, you know, yeah. Yeah. 20 years later and $8 trillion and, you know, America withdraws from <laughs> Afghanistan. Yeah. And, and that's why like one of the biggest things that, you know, kind of going full circle is just being able to think and have that critical thinking ability. Because the, the thing too, with, with tactics and, and, you know, a ton of stuff, right. Leadership tactics, even, even as like a, you know, I'm not a business and businessman by any means i'm terrible with that but i assume that business is the same thing Mm -hmm. when you become a leader or 
somebody who has to come up with tactics or anything like that. You don't get a packet in the mail that says, hey, welcome aboard. This is how you do it. No. You have to understand the, the the theory and philosophy behind a lot of things and have that ability to, uh, you know, make connections in your brain. And that's why the people that are always successful in history and that we always look at as like tacticians or logistics, uh, logisticians, logisticians, however you say that word, um, or, you know, leaders in, in any regard, the, the best ones are the ones that had a, a shit uh, hand dealt to them and they were able to say, okay, well, I'm going to do this and this. And they were able to think outside the box and eat on that, um, you know, fact that if you're unpredictable, you're going to have the upper hand oh, and they exactly. were able to just dominate, right? And a, a, a perfect like movie example of that is like Master and Commander, right? There were so many things that he did in that movie that were just like unheard of in the time that, and, you know, he was all the like really crazy things from my understanding were based on actual events that had happened with other guys. Um, but there was like one part, I don't know if you guys are familiar with that movie. Um, it's about like old, like late 1800s naval warfare between the British and the, in the French. Yes, starring Russell, Russell Crowe. Great movie. Yep. Yep. So there's that one part where he makes it to where he's able to escape by having a little raft with a light on it. And he turns that light on at the exact second that they turn the main ship's light off. And then it drifts in one direction and then they drift off in the other direction like that is something so small and simple just to be able to escape that, you know, the guys that aren't thinking outside of the box and the guys that are like, this is the way that we do it. They would go head on head or, you know, head on in a fight and, and yeah, just turn into like the Alamo. Yeah, exactly. I mean, you could see that like if you read out of war, which if you, if the people listening to haven't definitely please for love of God, read that. Um, look at like Napoleon. I think he had 15,000 people going around, going up against like, 40 to 60,000, three separate armies across his front flank. And what he decided to do, instead of trying to face them head on with three split armies, he just left some residual units to give the appearance that his full army was in front of whatever army he was facing, take the rest of them and defeat one army each by each so that he had superior forces despite in the total encompassing campaign he had inferior forces. It's very, very clever. There's that. I mean, there's another great instance that I love is, uh, and and it kind of goes in, you know, when you take like a modern a modern take on it, is the uh, I can't I don't know what battle it was or anything like that. I'm I'm actually really terrible with like naming a lot of battles verbatim and knowing the years and all that stuff, just like rattling off like a history book. But uh, there was some battle where Alexander the Great was like insanely outnumbered. And everyone was pretty much like, what do we do, boss? And so what he did was really early in the morning, he had them just start doing drills against each other, like just battle drills. And the enemy pretty much saw it and was like, yeah, we don't want to go up against that. And they left. <laughs> and, <laughs> so like how, how you can translate that to a modern thing is when you have that discipline and you have that professional appearance, right? Even something as, salt, as uh, simple as everybody's uniform and like looks good with their stuff. They don't look like they're wearing their dad's clothes that they picked out from the surplus shop and all this stuff. Like you're able to instill that sort of psychological warfare of like, Oh, these guys know what they're doing and they're a formidable opponent. We don't want to go up against them and something, you know, you, you don't think like, Hey, let's make sure that we all look the same and that everybody has proper fitting clothes because it'll potentially save our life. Like 
if you say that to people, everyone's going to be like, you're an idiot. <laughs> yeah. But once you start really diving down into it, you're like, okay, maybe there is something to that. I'm just like get, getting a nice little tour of Reaper's house here. <laughs> Welcome to my crib. Is that the same place you were before? Yeah. 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 <laughs> yeah it's just a different angle. Uh, those who do not learn from history are doomed to repeat it. Yeah. Yeah. Or just yeah. think for themselves. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. If you, th- if you think for yourself, you'll, you'll be on the, uh, on the right side of history this time. I promise. I mean, it's just, you see these countless examples and guys, Still just like there's so much to all of this I don't know what we call two A culture. Yeah. Well, I, I, I don't culture. know. Well how would you because it is expanded so far past gun culture, it just kind of is its own microcosm. <laughs> the militia um, culture and its consequences has been a blessing for the human race. <laughs> <laughs> it's it's like a weird like uh I don't want to say purity spiral, but it's like a it's a very pure concentrated uh, like gun community, right? Because yeah. you have the guys that it's like gun ownership isn't enough. We need to actively train on how to, you know, do X, Y, Z. Yeah, and I, I don't even see it just in the gun community. I see it kind of everywhere. I know, hell, groups of farmers that are trying to get off the grid and they, they don't really yeah. have any of the uh, the gun side of it at all. They're interested. But I, and it's not just them. Entire groups of people are just trying to remove themselves from the system entirely. Oh, I see it everywhere. Like so yeah. many people mm-hmm. are just liberty liberty transplants who just trying to get off the grid wherever they're at. Or yeah. just more sufficient, more prepared. Like I have not really heard any anti gun like people where I'm at at all. Like just about everyone's like, Oh, you shoot? Can you can you teach me? Yeah, yeah that, no, that, same. That, doesn't, that doesn't represent <laughs> the entire country, but like so no. many people who I would not expect are like, hey, can you please train me? Yeah, like, yeah sure. Yeah. One of the funniest things that I saw was in regards to New York uh, putting laws against body armor. It's like all these people are getting shot. Let's ban body armor. <laughs> yeah, let's make <laughs> it so easier I, for, you know, the government to shoot people. It's I mean, I mean, terrible villains who are definitely not paid or influenced by any government agency at all because that would be a conspiracy that oh yeah no no way that when has any government ever tried to go against their own people for for gain never never ever that has never happened happened. you're crazy i love paying my taxes (laughs) what what is that word that you just said i don't know that one taxes taxes yeah I've never heard that word before. Sorry. It's this thing where this territorial monopoly on the use of violence basically forces you to pay money towards them so that they don't hurt you. (laughs) Weird. Not wrong. I I love it. I I love being coerced into giving up a large percentage of my paycheck to uh, (laughs) not go towards roads and to line, you know, crooked politicians' pockets while they make backroom deals with corporations in the World Economic Forum. That's my favorite thing is looking at my ADP. And seeing like, this is how much money you earn. This is how much money you took home. And I'm like, oh, nice. So I could like have a whole second mortgage and everything and be like in the exact same spot. But you took it from me. Nice. Yeah. Oh, man. It's it's not great. I mean, it it is great. I love it. I love it. That's great. (laughs) Love paying them. Yeah. Third time. I I love paying for the Predator drone that's eventually just going to turn me into fucking goo. (laughs) You know what yeah. other rant I got is... Fucking do it. 
how many people can't have an actual like debate or argument like yeah. tying into that critical thinking I've, it's been super annoying like guys immediately revert to if you're not familiar with a logical fallacy you should educate yourself with them but like ad hominem attacks appeals to authority and when you start to question them on you know beliefs or whatever it is gear choices it could be anything they immediately get super defensive get super emotional and they can't defend it and they can't answer the questions they just start calling you all sorts of bad names yeah well it it goes along with well i was complaining earlier about people tying in um you know their gear choices and the Mm. the objects they own with their personality people also do that with their opinions and i hate that (laughs) if you're confident in your stance and the logic behind that or whatever gear choices it could be anything you're not going to get offended by people having another opinion on it yeah or anything for that matter yeah and that's that's why like and I'm going to be honest too. There, there's times where I'm like, I'm just tired of debating with this person because yeah. it's not going to go anywhere. Yeah. And I'll just say something dumb and, and then leave them on red. And well, it's and, that trade off again. You know, like, all that. Your time's valuable. You can't spend all day debating this person you're never going to meet. You never have met. Yeah. And it's one of those things too where, you know, I'll, I'll get a lot on, um, on like religion because mm-hmm. that's really the one of the only. I don't even want to say that. I'll, I'll post that because I know that it stirs the pot, to be honest. Um, yeah. But <laughs> like, uh, I, I don't know if either of you guys are in the are in the Telegram chat, but I I rarely go in there because it's just a constant like shit flinging Modern Warfare Two lobby <laughs> of people debating religion. Just a bunch of apes in there throwing poo. Yeah, and so so you know, and it's always like the same things, right? So so not too long ago. Uh, there's a, there's another guy on Instagram n- named uh, Nutria Bruh, and I mm. did like a, a, a an episode where we we're like, look, this is our stance on religious beliefs. This is why we have these beliefs. This is what this believes in, you know this this denomination, and um, you know this is this is everything to lay it out because there's so many people that they'll like just start like throwing all these things at you, and it's like, well, if you Googled that, you would find instantly that you're not you're not right. So it's kind of nice to have like that uninterrupted platform because it's at the end of the day, it's my platform. I can do whatever the hell I want with Mm -hmm. it. But, uh, you know, it's nice to have that uninterrupted platform to just say, this is, this is my belief. And to have like a healthy debate with somebody is so important because either one, it'll show you the, the, why you are incorrect and it'll help you see things from a different light of perspective or whatever, or two, it'll reinforce your beliefs. And, you know, if, if you start with a good debate and then it ends in or like a good discussion and it ends in just a terrible argument, one person is coming out of that feeling better about their choices. And it might not mm-hmm. be you um, in, in, in whatever. But, uh, yeah, that's that's why being able to healthily discuss that stuff is so important. And as soon as like, you know, you start getting those like attacks, like uh, like Reaper had said, it's like, all right, well. I'm going to go back to uh, doing more productive things that aren't that. And yeah. One of my favorite things to do is just just hit people with the uh, with the IDK and then like the old emoticon smiley face, like the I, the the colon with the parentheses. I love doing if that. You ever see very nice come from me? It means I don't care what you have to say in this conversation. <laughs> yeah, I'll do that too with like uh, 
like, neat you know sometimes you will say stuff and i'll just say so true like yeah, so it's true. such like a bullshit uh i completely agree stuff. with you and you're absolutely not wrong yeah yeah no it, yeah, exactly it, you always can tell when someone doesn't spend enough time outside by how mad they get at other people's opinions on the internet and like let's say us three right let's take us three we're probably pretty ideologically similar yeah i, I would think so okay are and we going to agree on every single issue? Yeah. Nope. No, almost definitely not. Does that mean we have to hate each other and never talk to each other again? Yes. Fuck you. Yeah. Wow, what a concept. <laughs> <laughs> you mean we can disagree on something and actually talk to each other and be friends and hang out? Yeah. Wow, why didn't I think of that? I thought everyone was supposed to exactly agree on every stance and think exactly like I would. I should. That's that's so many times too. I'll get questions because I I have uh, I started like a Discord at one point for networking, and in my Telegram, I'll I'll try to get like networking things, and and that's like a big thing for me is trying to get guys to network with other guys <laughs> and just train because I'm on the firm belief that the the best like op that the that the FBI has ever done has started just calling everybody feds, so that Honestly, way yeah. you think that there's way more of them out there, and then you're afraid to meet up with people because you're like, what if they're feds? Like. You, well, you it can just sounds like you're a federal easily. agent. That's true. That's true. That's that's the same thing as the Wendigo getting online and saying, "Yeah, there's nothing to worry about outside. I wouldn't I wouldn't worry about it." So so people ask me a lot of questions about like networking and stuff like that. And one thing they'll say is like, "How do you network with people or like how do you get together with people that have different viewpoints?" And it's like, "Well, you can have different but compatible viewpoints, right? I have some pretty outlandish views on some things. And I recognize that. And, um, you know, I know that if I'm around certain people to just not say them, or I know that if I'm, you know, doing this and that, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna do these things. And uh, as long as you're able to have people to where you can sit around, you can sit around a campfire, disagree on everything and talk about it and be like, no, this isn't, this is why you're wrong. This is why I'm right. And just go back and forth. And then at the end of the day, be like, all right, well, it's time to go to bed and then go sleep by each other with loaded weapons in the middle of the woods. That's all that matters. As long as you can disagree and be like, you know what, you're wrong. And in this point, in this exact moment, I think that you're an idiot because of that. But you know what, in the morning, we're going to completely forget it because we have better things to worry about. Exactly. Yeah. And it's it's like if you died tonight, would that viewpoint have mattered to you? Generally, that's no. what it is. Yeah. <laughs> it is what it is <laughs> well that's like so many times too like uh the the other guy i do the podcast with cab like sometimes he'll post some some pretty crazy stuff on a story and it's funny and like so many people will get mad they'll be like do you actually think this and he'll just like feed into it and he'll be like yeah what are you gonna do about it and they're like i can't believe you'd think that and it's like if you had never seen that you know whether he does or not like you would never know unless he posted that. So your, your, your viewpoint of him should not like vary that differently, unless it's something crazy. Like he comes out and he's like, you know what? I think that, or anyone comes out and they're like, you know what? I think that this is completely acceptable. And you're like, that is completely against societal norms. Like that's not good. Um, but you know, there's, there's always some things where it's like, realistically, this isn't a big deal. Yeah. Oh you man. Know, most people I... really aren't that different for the most part. And the sooner people realize that and just get out of their heads and just go out and enjoy life and not being stupid or anything, but there's still, you go on TV and you see this terrible world. There's still so much good at, like I'm looking at a map mm -hmm. right now, like 
<laughs> I can't complain. Life's good. And just the world is what you make it. And if it's terrible and awful and whatever, then you're right. You're absolutely right. And if you're going to smile, take it on the chin and grunt your way through it, then your outcome is probably going to be better and happier than the doomer mindset. Yep. Your, your mentality towards these situations has a great impact on your viewpoint and your happiness and healthiness. So kind of going back to the FBI thing um, and how that off, you know, to say, convincing everyone that everyone is feds has been probably one of the most successful ops they've done. Mm -hmm. I saw a little while ago, and I have no idea how true this is, that their attrition rate is fucking horrible right now. Genuinely, yeah, it is the yeah. worst. Yeah. And I, I um, saw just a, a post on, I don't know, some image board. Just about every agency that hammered. I can think of that I've yeah. like talked to guys in, like it's uh, the military, especially. Same with the police. Oh, yeah. like the attrition rate's just. Attrition and suicide are. both. Yeah. It's um, insane. Well, one of the funniest things is uh, when you get the FBI agents that have to, that their job is to go into these circles. Oh, and um, they get radicalized. Yeah. Well, they're the uh, the anti-radicalization training that they get. Yeah. That is hilarious. Yeah. The, uh, the countering negative thought briefings. The, yes. Uh, and in... So from from what I've heard, and, well, so obviously this is all just things I've I've read here and there. I don't know what's true. I don't know what's not. Yeah, um, likewise. Yeah, I I definitely haven't had to go through any of these classes every day. So <laughs> no, um, I've, I've seen these... some screenshots of them. I I can't you know verify them, but the the ones that people I know who work for you know the D Department of National Defense and things like that. I, I've seen some stuff leak out of some of the briefings, and holy fuck, they're hilarious. Sorry, go well, on. It'll it'll be like um you know because so a lot of the a lot of the circles that you go on will start reciting statistics and things like that and it'll kind of prove their point right that's that's all I'm gonna allude to so um you know they'll they'll have on these these briefs like this is why these statistics are wrong it's like well I can go online and I can read these statistics and see that this is true but they'll say that the reason for them is is different or whatnot and then they'll go on and they'll have like you know transgender people come come in front of everybody and explain why they're like completely functional normal members of society just by having 50 percent suicide rates things like that and it's like and the the ones that uh the agents that like keep coming back are the ones that are able to essentially see these things and be like oh you know what you're right i was i was uh I was getting exposed to the wrong thing too much. I'm back on track. <laughs> that fluoride kicks in. Mr. Smith pops back up. <laughs> yeah, Ronald McDonald is said in their in their earphone multiple times. They snap to attention and they start going back to uh to going online and calling people feds and and asking them to see their machine guns. I believe that ties in a lot to the lack of ability to critical think and debate because with those two things, you pretty much become independent in your thought and are not tied down to any kind of institution. You can start to come to your own conclusions, but lacking mm -hmm. that and reverting to this emotional argument or the ad hominems, it makes it very easy to manipulate you. You basically become impressionable and anyone with uh, malintent can basically just pull strings on you and you're their puppet at that point because you're an emotional yeah. animal and are very easy to carrot and stick. It's, it's very difficult for a lot of people when you're constantly getting, getting shoved around in different directions to stop mm -hmm. and look and go, you know what? I need to, I need to figure this out for myself. 
And I think that that's a very important thing for everybody to at one point sit down and think, you know what, I need to figure out everything for myself. I need to sure. sit down, figure out what my beliefs are, all this, and and deliberately go out and figure that stuff out. And that's how a lot of beliefs that I have now, um, I've, I've come to the conclusion of is that, you know, this is the way that things are. And this is what I need to believe because of that. Yeah. It, so many people are trying to go at other people's paces and it ties back into that. You're just easy, easily manipulated. Like take a breath, breathe, slow down, slow down your train of thought and start going at the speed you need to be going at, not what everyone else is going at. <laughs> right. If, yeah, let's say you guys pump out a video doing small unit tactics, but a guy's never even held a Glock before might be useful, but probably not where he needs to be. Right. Yeah. Um, he probably needs to slow down stop worrying about the gear pads, stop worrying about all this tactics and just focus on what's in front of him and handle that right then and there. Yeah. And, and actually right before this, I had, um, I had posted something about like a setup that I had mm -hmm. essentially came up with and ran with, with an Alice pack. And, um, and one thing that I said in there is that is something that I tell a lot of people and it's, use your object or use what you have until it's at its failure point and then figure out what's wrong with it and then go from there. So for people that are like, Oh, you know, I have a chest rig and I love it, but I'm seeing all these posts about, uh, you know, these, these belt kit setups. Should I sell my chest rig and get a belt kit set up? It's like, well, do you think that your chest rig is failing you? No. Then why would you change it? Cause it's obviously not failing you for what it's for what your you know, use case is. Mm -hmm. Chasing trends. Yeah, exactly. There's a lot of just, you know, blind consumerism in this world. Mm -hmm. kind of and, and and that's when you need to step back and think like, like same thing with, with Mark 18. And then all of a sudden the, the 14.5 LPVOs came out is like, you know, okay, I have a Mark 18, right? And, and all my shots that I can do are within 200 yards. And each time that I make a shot, I'm right on target. I know this gun like the back of my brain. It's you know, perfect to me. I know exactly where I need to hold on everything. I I am perfect with the setup. And then these videos come out and you're like, man, 14.5 with an LPVO. I, you know, it's, it's not completely different, but it's, it's a different setup. It's like, yeah, exactly. Why would, why would you change what you're doing if you don't need to change what you're doing? If that video never came out and you didn't start to see all these things, you wouldn't think unless something stands out to you like, oh man, this is what I've been lacking. Yeah. yeah. This is the missing puzzle piece that I didn't know existed. Um, right. I have this problem all the time and, and I just haven't gotten around to figuring it out or whatever. Yeah. Um, like the, the guy with the Mark 18 who lives in the woods with like 600 meter sight lines all around his house. Exactly. Like I, you know, posting about like the 308 DMR and how much I love it and why it fills the role. It fills so well. And you have guys in the middle of the swamps of Florida be like, what, what, 308 AR-10 DMR should I get? It's like, don't <laughs> just do what I do because I like I do it. Like, ask yourself these questions: Does this fill the need I have? If you have yeah. sight lines of 100 meters, clearly, clearly, a DMR and sniper rifle probably isn't for you. Yeah, for for me, the longest sight lines are either down roads in the woods or in urban environments mm -hmm. with the grid set up because you can sometimes look down a road and you can see yeah. pretty far. And since we're relatively non-mountainous, you're, you're on a flat ground. Mm -hmm. So that's for me, like, Hey, we're going out into, into the woods to hike all this area through the woods instead of an observation point where we're literally observing 
And the the goal of setting up an OP is not always to make contact, right? A lot of the time it's just to observe and see what you're doing and then leave. And your your weapon is purely defensive. Like I could run a 10-5 AR or marketing or whatever else, like a super short AR, and I usually run my 12-5. And you know, that that's like when the when the recce rifle trend was coming out, which which by the way, the 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 recce rifle originally was is a clone mm-hmm. of a Navy SEAL uh rifle that they came out with yeah for a specific use case in a certain you know point where it was required but uh you know people be like oh what what recce rifle do you use and i'm like if i'm going to do like a reconnaissance thing i use a 12.5 with a neotech oh what do you use for cqb 12.5 with a neotech it's the same gun (laughs) so that's why like the general purpose rifle is is it's like a term for it is much better it's like okay Mm -hmm look at every you know sit down and and make a chart or write down on a list or something like like people are going away from pen and paper so much and and that's why people are not able to critically think like if you just start using pen and paper for everything you will solve all of your life's issues but write down every single thing that you have literally everything let's extrapolate even what you said on there is like guys who are like you know i want to be able to shoot to like a thousand meters but they've never even shot past a hundred. They don't even know what their own guns dope is. They don't even know what dope is. The I name. want to reach out and touch someone from a thousand. I've never had to do you, it, but just in case I do. If you don't yeah. even know what your gun's drop is, it doesn't even matter because you're never going to hit anything. And that's the other thing too, is people be like, I want a gun that can reach out to 600. Have you shot like, when's, the last time, when, when's the last time you tried to shoot 600? Well, when's I've never done you shot 200 even yeah like, yeah take what you have start to learn on it learn what its capabilities are get you know like data and intelligence are invaluable so like learn what the dope is you can get a cheap chronograph and that'll give you a rough idea and you're already way better off than you were before rather than spending another two grand on a gun that you're barely going to use you're barely going to use the guns you have and you won't know them you won't know the ins and outs and it does you zero good Yep. And, and that's, it's exactly it, man. Is like, make a list, like literally turn off all your devices and sit down with a piece of paper and make a list. Hey, this is the farthest I've had to shoot out to. This is the farthest sight line I've seen that I've ranged. This is the majority of the times that I go and train. This is the sight line I have. And there's times where you're going to have to make a list of these things as things to keep in mind and, and just keep it with you. And when you're going on a on you know whatever and you're hiking out to a spot to to go do whatever you're doing whatever your training is or whatever just look around and be like okay right now there's a little valley and there's some sparse trees i could probably get like a hundred a hundred or 150 yard shot out so you know once you, once you start looking at all these things right what's the distance i need um how quick do i need to be able to shoot you know how fast do i need to be able to bring this gun up all these things and you start just writing down and filling in the blanks, it'll point you to the right direction. And for you to look at it and say, you know what, a 10.5 AR or a Mark 18, which is 10.3, um, or even like a, a, you know, 10 and a half inch 300 blackout or whatever. It's like, once if, if that's what points you in the thing that you need, then that's what it is. Mm-hmm. And when you start really looking at, um, you know, even like, a, like the Vietnam War, most of the guys on these LERP teams that are doing long range reconnaissance patrols, observation, taking pictures, coming back and turning it into that. So that way Intel can, can, you know, throw that shit in a blender and come out with a nice smoothie. Mm -hmm. They were using little cult commandos 
you know, no <laughs> lights on it. They they had slings from fucking canteens on them, and they're using these little ten point five or eleven point five rifles, and you know that's what they had at the time. Now we can slap optics on them and a light, and you know white light is extremely important on your rifle. Don't go without a white light, and um, all that stuff, and and you can get a really good rifle that yeah you know oh there's a uh, an 800 meter sight line i can't shoot past it realistically if you could where are you going to i doubt it yeah sorry i thought you were about to say something no, no, I'm so sorry. <laughs> no you you you, always, you have this very like quiet contemplative look where you're just like staring intently into the camera and then you like tilt your head back a little bit and it looks like you're about to go on a stream of consciousness that's just a look he gives when he hears it that's a look he gives yeah that's the look he gives when he sees when he hears something extremely dumb being said and that's why he gives that look every time i'm talking very nice <laughs> yeah i don't know this is a thousand yard star directly into the in the fucking computer holy <laughs> shit do people well. actually think like this <laughs> what did i get myself into <laughs> but like god the the amount of shooters that i i know that you know my mind jumps to this guy um, I, I didn't know him very well. He, he dated someone I knew who's, you know, vaguely in the preparedness scene. And unfortunately, his type is very common. Um, he bought every, you know, new piece of forward operating gear merch or forward operations group fog. I, I think that's what they're he'd buy all their stuff. He had, you know, a four thousand dollar AR that he'd never shot. I think he shot it once in two years and it was just meg dumping at the berm. You he was waiting for shit to hit the fan because he was so ready. His, his ear protection was... Can I guess he was going to sit in a chair and wait for Antifa to come through his door and then he would just machine gun them down and everything would work out perfectly like the movies, right? Something like that. Something. I, someone else uh, I, I heard uh, said basically the same thing. It's like, oh, I'll, I'll sit on a bridge and I'll just pick him off. You know, th- this guy who also hasn't really shot his rifle in years... Um, most of these people, if they do, they're meg dumping a trash or, you know, they shooting indoors at a controlled range, you know, zero to 25 yards. Um, and, you know, what, once you start having to push those distances and once you even have to think about it, it's it's a whole different game. It really is. And I, I'm not quite sure how I ended up on this this topic, but fuck that guy. He was a dickhead. <laughs> Something that, uh, that me and my friends did over the weekend was uh, that T-Rex Arms 50 carbine drill. Oh, that was was very good when you start to because like we'll shoot under time. Yeah, but rarely will we look at the hits because we're we're generally just shooting at steel. So my one friend who he like runs competitions in his area had brought up some Ipsic targets. Yeah, we had, you know, pasties to reuse them. And, and, you know, we had shot timers and we had I had printed out like 20 copies of the uh, the because on the T-Rex Arms website, they have the full printout. So yeah. you can look at it. It tells you how to set up the targets, how to calculate everything. It's literally everything you need to know yeah. in one sheet on an eight and a half by 11. So I printed out like 20 copies of it and we all just took turns shooting, shooting the course of fire. And then, uh, you know, calculating out our total time, you know, what hits we had, how many points we had, and then generating the hit factor to see this is how good you're doing. And obviously you don't want to be too, too fast and miss, and you don't want to be too slow and get all your hits right. Yeah. And it was very, very good to start using hit factor as a uh, determining thing because you know, you're only shooting to 25 meters. So if you are having trouble getting rounds on target quickly and within a body shape, 
you know, letting maybe one or two fly at most, which you, you suffer from if you uh, have, have misses, then, you know, you'll see it and then you'll be able to tighten up. And then once you start getting all your rounds in a super tight little, little grouping, it's like, well, I can probably, you know, press the gas a little faster and squeeze the trigger a little bit quicker and, and get a little bit more of a spread in my A and C zone. So that way, uh, you know, I'm getting these rounds out even faster. So it's, yeah. a, it's a really good thing to do. I'm going to have to try this. Um, I am looking at the, uh, the 50 round carbine COF right now. And I was under the, the thought that I probably won't be able to do this because of a lack of space and Canadian laws around magazine. But it seems like the longest string of fire is just five rounds. So, um, no, in the end, there's um, there's one where you have to do 12 because you got to shoot while moving four targets. So I had figured out that that the, the best round loadout is 17 you know, three mags actually. So one of 17, one of 21 and one of 12, because generally what would happen is um, this is the only gripe that I have on the drill is that the first magazine you load up to 17 to force that reload. Cause you got to do five rounds, reload then five rounds um, on like the fourth drill. I think you got to like turn 180, shoot five rounds, reload then five rounds. So that's 17 rounds up to there. Um, and then so you do 17, have to reload, go to your next mag. Now with the second mag, even if you have a fully loaded mag, you will end up needing, I think it was like 31 or 32. It, well, no, sorry, it'd be 33 because it's a 50, 50 round drill. You need a 33 round magazine to do the second thing if you're only using two magazines to the whole second half of that uh, course of fire. So loading three magazines, one of 17, one of 21, and then one of 12 for specifically that last drill will set you up for uh, for success. That's clever. I, I like this. I'm, I'm looking at the, the list right now, but I'm gonna, actually going to have to watch the video later. It seems like like it would be humbling, I think, for a it lot is. of people to try yeah. this. Um, I, I tried uh, working, and uh, you know, this is my fault. I, I shoot a lot, um, but I, I've been really, really slack on lateral movement. I just tried it for the first time the other day. You know, uh, it's nine-inch steel, uh, 25 and 50 yards just walking you know left to right or and it was humbling it was very oh, yeah. humbling <laughs> holy shit it was humbling and you know it especially when you go on the weak side oh that's tough oh man oh bad really bad yeah that's well, uh my friends always laugh because whenever we go out to uh to public land and shoot and i'm like all right shit i gotta come up with these drills i'll come up with like these crazy drills that are like uh, like like one that's that's in my head. So so the spot that we go to, where we'll we'll do like a lot of stuff, and then um, you know Saturday night we'll end the exercise, and then Sunday morning we'll shoot, or sometimes you know Sunday morning we'll end the main exercise and then go shoot, because um, there's it's like this big field that you can get like a hundred yards from the berm to the road. It's almost exactly a hundred. Then there's like a huge berm there. It's just in public land, and it's kind of like an unofficial shooting spot. But anyway there's like this divot. So how I had it set up to was like, there was a VTAC barrier. Um, I want to say probably 60, 70 yards away from the targets. We had two steel targets. And then I had set up like a box, probably 30 yards from the steel targets. So what you had to do is you had to start in like this little dip. So the idea is like you're taking cover as you're, you're, you know, getting shot at you move, you got to run to the VTAC barrier and then you got to shoot each target twice. Um, you know, just get two hits on each 
and then from there you need to to move to the start of the box like the um you know bottom if you're looking at like an overhead view it'd be like the bottom left corner and then you need to get uh around what just one round on each target um it might have been two i'm not sure to be honest but uh rounds on each target from moving left to right to the bottom right point and then you got to move forward and then you got to move to the left so you're almost you're making like a three-sided square um it's kind of hard to explain but uh you know you're doing this and then while you're moving you got to get the rounds on each target so just in this drill alone you're starting from like a position of cover sprinting as fast as you can to a uh, you know a piece of cover shooting each target that's exposed then moving to another point and then having to shoot while moved so with this you know the the entire drill was i think it was like 10 rounds or something like that so you're able to do it you know if you're getting consistent hits you're able to do it three times but to be honest we should have been doing it with cardboard ipsic targets or usps targets and getting hit factors and all that stuff right seeing exactly how you're pulling it each time did you yeah, notice that either you or your teammates or just people in general are too scared to fail or suck at these drills? Yes, 100%. I, um, I think so too. Yeah, I, to a degree. Um, like <laughs> It was funny. So when we went, uh, one of my good friends, he, uh, I think that he was actually the first one to run the drill. And he just went all gas. And like afterward, when we calculated his hit factor, it was bad. And it was like one point something because he was like, I'm just going to hit, I'm, I'm going for pure speed. And he had like a bunch of misses and, and now it's like a joke, right? Like, Oh, this is pure speed. You know? I yeah. He'll like send, speed. he'll like send a funny picture in the, uh, in the group chat and be like me when I get, you know, 17 D zone hits and three misses and one <laughs> a zone at a 10 round course of fire. But, uh, you know, the, the second one he did, and then, uh, you know, he, he started working it right and he got like a pretty good, pretty good hit factor but uh you know it's just funny to be like you know i'm gonna go super fast and and you you go fast as fuck and you get your speed reload and record time and you do this and you do that like super quick then you look at the hits and you're like oh yeah it looks like i had a a three barrel shot uh yeah three inch barrel shotgun with uh with buckshot and i was standing 20 feet away right i only have a couple holes on paper and then also the guy that's you know scared to go super fast because he's so concerned with just getting hits on target that you're like, oh yeah, you know, you did pretty good. You got all your hits, but uh, yeah, man, you were slow back there. You uh, you know, you got an injury you're not telling us about or something. But finding that balance is really important. Yeah, no, it, it it's tough, and a lot of people don't want to be humbled. I've had a, uh, I've run cl- well, not classes, but like in private instructional things, where uh, people will get discouraged if they're not doing well they won't want to improve and they will either leave or give up or make an excuse but they'll stop especially if they have a significant other there or it's <laughs> such a shame like it too many people like in i think this is a product of the american education system is too many people are afraid to fail and too many people are afraid to suck and the biggest thing you could take away is failure is not an outcome failure is a mentality if it didn't work, you found one way it didn't work. Get back up, get back at it. I agree. And that's that's one thing that I will say, and this goes for literally every aspect of life, um, is discomfort makes you grow. Oh yeah. Right. So let's let's yeah. let's not even look at shooting, right? So, you know, if we are gonna look at shooting, hey, I'm not comfortable with how I did on that last drill, I'm gonna work on it. That's like a perfect phrase, right? So so if you're if you're looking at something completely different, right? Music. 
if you play an instrument and you're like, I am great, I'm very comfortable with where I'm at, you're not going to work to get any better. But as soon as you, you see somebody, you know, do something way more impressive on the instrument you play, you're like, you know what, I'm uncomfortable now because they're doing a lot better than I am. And I'm not, I'm, I'm no longer comfortable with my position or my, my capabilities. I mean, so I'm going to work to get up to that level. And then once you get there and then you, you know, you feel that, that sense of, of meeting your goal and you get happy that continues to get you to push. Cause then you're like, well, you know, I got to this point and now I'm not comfortable with this. Right. So like to bring it back to shooting, Hey, I'm not very quick, right? It takes me a long time to get the gun up. It takes me a long time. Once I go dry to get a new mag in the gun, it takes me a long time to do this. I'm not comfortable with it. And then you get that. And then you're like, okay, you know, I'm really good at this. I'm really good with 10 meters, 25 meters. I'm really good with all these movements. And, you know, as soon as I need to run and get my heart rate up and then get rounds on, like I'm all over the place. I'm not comfortable with that. And sometimes it takes quite a bit because you're not, now you're looking at your, your cardio abilities and you got to start mm -hmm. working faster and you got to be able to work to, you know, be able to run under, uh, you know, with your kit and everything under time, under that pressure, get to a spot, stop, breathe, focus on what you're doing, sight picture, trigger squeeze, and get to the point where you're able to get good hits after running. Once you're comfortable with that, you're like, all right, well, you know, I suck at shooting 100 meters and 200 meters and 300. And then, you know, next thing you know, you're, you're starting to get more well-rounded because you you get to the point, you meet your goal. You're like, I'm, I'm good at this. And then you're like, I'm uncomfortable at this point or I'm not comfortable at this point. You continue to do that. And then while you're doing that, it's just important to make sure that you keep going back to those things that at one point you were comfortable at and make sure that you're still comfortable with that or, you know, you keep working at it. It's, it's just like a tree. Like a tree without wind will eventually fall over and break. Yep. With the wind, it will get tiny micro fractures and eventually those heal up and it becomes a very strong, very tall tree. It's the same with life. Without discomfort, without trials, without pain, you're not going to grow into the full potential you could be. With I want to sound like an absolute sorry. retard here. Is that real? Is that a thing? Oh, yeah, it trees? Is. oh yeah. I, I yeah. did not know that. Yeah. I, the more you know. Yeah. Um, that's actually really neat. There was so, an experiment that was attempted to to you know, some people were trying to do it and they had to grow trees for this experiment. So they grew them in a really controlled environment and then they couldn't even do the experiment because the trees were too weak and they wouldn't be able to withstand any sort of force against them. And once they started looking at it, they were like, Oh shit, it's because we grew them in like a gymnasium instead of outside where there's wind. It's the same thing with training. Would you rather go out, try something new, know you're going to suck, find out you suck, but know what <laughs> you need to work on, or live the comfortable, never try it, never do it, never be real with yourself, and then when you actually need it, oh crap, now yeah. you're in a tough spot. And that's kind of the funny thing about that is that if you are say, – say that you decide – I'm going to run up this hill every day, right? You and your neighbor both live behind this, this super big hill. And every day you decide, I'm going to run up this hill and I'm going to make myself uncomfortable and it's going to suck. And you start doing it and you suck at first and you get better and better. And every day they're going, why would you do that? You know, well, I'm, well, you're doing that. I'm sitting in the air conditioned house watching TV or, you know, being comfortable or whatever. And then one day something's happening and you need to run up that hill. Both you and your neighbor need to be, need to run up that hill. At that point, through you going through all this discomfort to force yourself to run up that hill, who's going to be more comfortable with their ability to run up that hill? So it's kind of like a an interesting 
point of view is like that constant discomfort that you're causing yourself is all going to work toward causing comfort in the long run. And, you know, comfort is, uh, you know, we, we don't want to sound like comfort's necessarily a bad thing because ultimately the goal is to be comfortable, but you working to find those discomforts and get comfortable with, with that part. Right. So I'm, I'm bad at this. I need to get good at this and you work to get good at that. And the whole time you're uncomfortable, you know, once, once you do that enough, then you're fine with it. And, and, you know, perfect example of that too, is like over this last weekend, we, uh, we decided to just, you know, first thing in the morning, we we're going to go on a quick, uh, a quick patrol around the, around the land and, you know, work on those fundamentals. So what did we do? We dunked ourselves in the swimming hole right by this cabin and it got completely soaking wet, threw on our shit and then started walking up a, up a steep hill. And, you know, it sucks, right? It was cold and, and all that. And, you know, we woke up in the morning, I went outside and I was like, Ooh, it's pretty chilly out and that water is not going to be warm. And it wasn't, but, uh, you know, at that point now I have a little bit more comfort to the idea of, Hey, we got to cross this, this water zone, or, you know, we have this water crossing and we're all going to get completely soaked. Yeah. And so you start doing that. And somebody who's never, who's always stayed dry is, you know, never had to break a sweat, anything like that. As soon as they start to have to do that shit, they're going to be not having a good time. Just look at this from a life perspective. Like you doing that, how many cool memories do you have? Probably a lot, right? Mm-hmm. Stuff yeah, you talk I mean, about we're going to laugh about it. Yeah. Hey, remember that time we did this? That that, that was funny. And you get to talk about your friends, that to your friends, to your family. And when you have kids, if you don't know already, and like grandkids, you can tell them about that and all the cool things you did. The person who is sitting on the couch watching TV will leave none of that if they even have kids. They leave no legacy, no memories, and it's just a boring average life. Getting out and doing this stuff, whatever it is, again, even if you suck, is way more cool, way more fun, leaves way more memories. And heck, if you keep up with it, you'll be like, cool, grandpa knows how to do everything. Yeah. <laughs> That's that's something that's really intriguing about uh about even just having like a like a journal that you write mm-hmm. just daily things or or you know every every couple of days you write something that happened or just thoughts and and experiences and things like that. Hey, you know, this is what we're doing, this is what's going on. Because then one day and you know, you can't rely on the digital the digital side of this, but one day oh, not at all. Right, you your kids or grandkids are are gonna come up to you and be like, Hey, what what was it like when you were younger you know you're in your early 20s or early 30s or whatever and uh or even a teenager however however old you are then uh you can say look this here you go read it have fun yeah oh man you have something to say too much to say that's the problem that's the problem i'm trying to think of like the balance between you know schizo and not pretentious and there's not I, really let's hear it send it send it I, I, I can see you i can see you trying to think that hard because i can see all the smoke coming out of your ears just like <laughs> the, the dial up like little circle above your head just like processing the sound it's like, like metal crunching and gears coming out of alignment <laughs> no it's more like the old fax sound when you, <laughs> when you pick up the phone when somebody's using the internet <laughs> oh like the freaking dial up yeah oh, man. I had that. I remember the days where, you know, downloading a weird owl track on Napster took an entire afternoon. No one could call you. And then you get sued by Metallica. Yup. Fucking yup. Oh, Jesus. Let's hear it. What? Yeah, let's let's, Let's hear it. It's a rambling. It's gone now. Now I just started thinking about Napster. I started thinking about the good old days before everything was fucking dog shit when when Metallica was, you know, suing Napster and 
the world kind of made a little more sense than it does now. But perhaps it was, was always at least cheaper. Yeah, hey, getting gas was cheaper. I got a question for y'all. Yes. Conspiracy theory that has nothing behind it. Like, Do it. Like completely out there. That might make sense. I got this one. How many kids go missing in the U.S. every year? Are you talking about the uh, national parks? No, 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 no. Something different. Totally different. Okay. I, I'm okay, like okay. making this up, and maybe there's something behind it. Maybe there's not. This is completely out there. I made it myself. How many kids go missing in the U.S. every year? About like 400,000. Yeah, the, according to the internet, about half a million. Okay. And that's 97.8 are apparently found. But are you familiar with the new trilogy of Star Wars and the stormtroopers in that and the background story between behind them? No, yes. actually. Okay, so oh no, the back backstory behind the stormtroopers. Yes, okay. Yeah, so with basically, the new trilogy, yeah. all those stormtroopers were basically kidnapped as kids, yeah. right? And like you see the same thing in Halo, like the Spartans, like they're kidnapped as kids and forced into being soldiers. I was like, yeah, what if somewhere these kids in America, just, like, there's an underground city of just like I was like, what if? What if, what, what if like, all these NPCs were just, like, kids kidnapped and then brainwashed and then just, like, thrown into society? Oh, man. Have... Can you imagine? Just, you know, some, something happens, you know. Civil cataclysm. The silos so, just open up and this horde of just brainwashed, dead-eyed... Stormtroopers run out. Yeah. Just, you know, in, in power armor with goss rifles or something. We'd be fucked. It just so it makes me think. Uh... There's actually something that um, it's so so what you're coming up with with the stormtroopers is actually a lot more fun than uh than this that I this huge rabbit hole I went down. Yeah, I figured the, the natural parks were closed up because of a... no 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 this isn't no. about the natural parks either or the national parks. So um, there's something that you can start going down this rabbit hole on, and essentially there were some documents that were found, and um, it was a it was these FBI documents that they were tracking people that were, um, you know, that they had thought were linked into child sex trafficking. Range. Oh, I know this. Yes. And then it turns out that these people that they had been doing case studies on following for a couple of years turned out to be employed by the CIA mm -hmm. to find these kids and take them. And, you know, when you look at, uh, so back in 2011, was it when all the, when that like crazy earthquake went through Haiti, yep. there was all this money that was raised by the Clinton foundation to go to Haiti and deliver it. And there's a lot of reports from these people, like these Haitians that live in these villages that essentially they said, we will only give you money for aid if you give us kids. And they would have to give up a couple of kids from each village, you know, and it might've only been one or two, but still that's, that's you know, still, it's not zero, many. which it should yeah, be. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. So so, you know, I, I'm not saying that they were taking like 30 kids from each village or anything. Can I tie that into one of your theories? One of mine? I'm yes. loving this so much. I'm okay. loving this so much. So I read this one. Now, I'm not saying I support it, but I, I have no opinion on it. Is that something similar to the Garden of Eden was in Antarctica. And that they're using these kidnapped children, throwing GPSs on them, and then like throwing them into like these like the pyramids or whatever and just like the kids just disappear and they're trying to figure out where they're going i'd have to find this online again but it was like it was so in-depth and like nuts i'm <laughs> like that, go down the rabbit what, hole that that sounds interesting because the so the the problem is with this one that i'm talking about now mm -hmm. is that after i started going down this rabbit hole very thoroughly and there was a lot of stuff to back it which is terrifying Oh, yeah. And, you know, I know that, um, I, like, I don't know what your listener base is, but I'm pretty sure you have a lot more listeners than I do. 
um there's gonna be a lot of people that are gonna be listening to this and they're gonna be like this dude what needs to take his meds like this guy's <laughs> this guy's off the rails so there's a um there's a thing and you'll see a lot of jokes about it but um about adrenochrome and oh, yeah. i've heard essentially... about that but i have no idea what the so essentially do you remember um i don't know how much because the, the funny thing about canadians is that they follow a lot of u.s politics oh man yeah no i, I know a bunch of people here that are super into this stuff i feel like I know you'll a bunch care about really... more what goes on here in the u.s than what does over there <laughs> pretty yeah. much and like, the like queen... no one gives a shit about what happens here <laughs> canadians love like the british royalty but anyway um do you remember like when when the uh 2016 elections happened and afterward, Hillary Clinton went missing. Like, she basically wasn't in the limelight for a little while. Yeah, dipped out for like two weeks, I think. Yeah, it was like a little while. Well, she came back and she looked like she was half sticking out of the fucking grave. Like, she looked mm-hmm. like she was going to die. Was and that so the same dream- time she was hit, like tripping everywhere? Uh, yeah, it was. Okay. Um, like, right right before the election, I remember. But mm-hmm. um, the, the thing with adrenochrome is that it's essentially a chemical that you can get from different things and it can cause you, you can use it to, to have like a youthfulness and it makes you feel very youthful. Right. So I did notice she it, suddenly looked a lot younger. Well, when you take it, you will feel younger and you can even look younger. It can help improve your skin. It can help get rid of wrinkles, all these things. So, and this is kind of the, this is the part that's, that's fucked up and terrible is that one of the ways to get very powerful strands of adrenochrome is through essentially tortured children. And that's why that's kind of what is like, you know, when you look at all these things on an individual level, like, okay, there was these, these finders documents that were leaked and, you know, thousands of kids go missing all the time. And all these politicians that people make jokes about adrenochrome while they're actually on Epstein's Island with, kids and and there's you know all this stuff that goes into it and so the problem too is that and this is like getting super off the rails is that every year there's a uh there's a um there's a big thing that goes on in california called bohemia's grove oh yes oh the the conspiracy that was know someone whose family is part of that and that's nuts dude i remember uh what 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 magazine was it i think it was vice who went to go disprove that because alex jones had a bunch of stuff oh no it's real Mm -hmm. it turned out that it was real. real yeah no that's so one of the things that that bohemia's grove kind of brought to light was that a lot of these people worship a lot or you know supposedly you know it could be Right. I've, I've heard the thing of like, oh, it's all these people that are into like the art side of it. So they 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 do all this stuff as like an art project, which I don't believe it. But, um, you know, one of the uh, things that they'll do is uh, they'll have like these sacrifices to these ancient gods. And one of the gods that there's like constantly sacrifices to is Moloch, who is the god of human sacrifice in these ancient religions or this particular ancient religion. So, you know, you start looking at it and you're like, okay, shit, there's people that are employed by the CIA to capture children. This has been found by the FBI and the leak. You can find it. It's called the finders documents. You can read the whole write up from the FBI on it. It's not like I'm just pulling this out of somewhere. Um, so you, you, you read oh, this. Oh fuck. Yeah. I, I, I looked it up. The first thing vault.fbi.gov. Yeah. It's an oh, FBI.gov thing. This, this is real. 
by leaked, I don't mean leaked. I mean released. It's, it's like actually. It's an actual real FBI thing that was their papers. And, 176 deleted pages. Yes. And that's basically their conclusion was that they stopped chasing a lot of these people because Safe they found that they had worked for the CIA. And so the CIA people are capturing children and then eventually they're using them for adrenochrome and then all these other things that they're doing for whatever their, their purposes are. And, you know, you can look at the Epstein logs and you can see how many people are linked into this stuff. And so you think about it. What happens when these kids get too old to be as, as terrible as it is to say it profitable? What do you do with them? You can't just you can't just send it back to their family. No, at that point, I'm thinking like slave labor, so you can still get utility, like as terrible as it is, utility out of them. That's like the easiest thing. Like, otherwise, we can go with like the Soylent Green route. I mean, I was gonna say human sacrifice (laughs) to to these things like at Bohemia's Grove and stuff. Oh, I I hate this. I'm reading this right now. I hate this. You you hate oh, it because no. it it and, brings it brings it into existence. Yeah, it's, and we all know is, the CIA. Oh my God, it names this, them. This is the perfect example of where ignorance is bliss. If you don't know about yeah. this stuff, you don't think anything bad is going on, and you're and like, this is like, it, it's really, oh my God, this is FBI.gov. <laughs> like, like they, they and i've talked about this before like every, this is like some website yeah, called like freethoughtproject.com yeah. or something like 40 or 50 years after Freedom this day it has a horrible thing they'll talk about it this is like 25 years old like i was alive during this i, mm-hmm. I was four when these paper when th- this happened yeah from from my understanding there's still a lot of things that are going on and the the thing too with my understanding because you know we were joking about the fbi earlier is that there's different departments of the fbi and the cia and all these departments have infighting and the fbi and the cia fight against each other and then you also have the 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 dia um like the defense institute of america i think it's called um or uh defense what is it um intelligence agency yeah the defense intelligence agency i'm sorry so you have the dia which is sort of you know nobody ever talks about them and they do a bunch of similar stuff to like the cia and the nsa and stuff but um within the fbi you have like i said all these different groups so you have the the fbi agents that are going out to try to find people that are having wrong think and that are you know then going to these classes to not get radicalized and then the other end, you have the the people that work for the FBI that are actually doing real things that, you know, it's going to stir a lot of feathers to say this, but things that are important and things that are going against human trafficking and things like that. And same thing in the CIA, you have guys that are actually doing real things that are important to security. And then you have guys that are, you know, doing stuff like this. And all the all the agency, you know, within the agencies, there's a ton of infighting and then they're fighting against other agencies. And once you start learning about a lot of this stuff from from people that have the insider, um, you know, people that are there or, you know, hey, I used to work here or, hey, you know, I've worked with these guys a lot enough to know about this stuff. You know, you start learning about it and you're like, dude, it is a it is a huge shit show up there. Yeah. Holy shit. I. uh job about that weather, huh? Yeah. <laughs> How's about that, eh? 
<laughs> oh my god i'm still like I'm, I'm listening to you but i'm still reading this i'm sorry you're gonna be up all no, night i'm going to be up all you're gonna be up night. all week like this, and this is this is why like like i get i get a lot of people that you know so like a hollow earth theory right that's a funny one that we'll always talk about on the podcast because at the end of the day if i believe that the earth is hollow if i believe the earth is flat or if i believe that it's round and solid i still need to wake up every day get ready get dressed, get in my car, go to work, spend my day at work doing my my job, and then go home and then do whatever after work, spend time with family or whatever, you know, yard work, whatever. It doesn't really affect things, right? If you believe the earth is hollow mm-hmm. or that it's solid or whatever. But this stuff is something that, where it like changes it your, your the, the way that you think about it. Yeah, yeah. And that's that's the problem is that you as soon as you start reading into this stuff, you're gonna find yourself into like all these rabbit holes. And you're going to be like, I don't know, like that, like this is literally how like people develop schizophrenia because yeah. <laughs> so, you start to get paranoid. <laughs> with all this, it's important, especially with everything going on, like to not go full like doomer because you being, you know, depressed and like super scared to like talk anyone or do anything is really just playing into, you know, the WEF or whatever whatever big demoralization of people exactly Mm -hmm. like you're it's good it goes back to that emotional thing like it makes you easy to manipulate if you're standing chest out head up proud and tall and living your life the best way possible no one's going to stand in your way because they're just another obstacle you can push over and this is this is a huge thing too it it depends when you learn stuff like this what your takeaway from it is Mm -hmm. if your takeaway is these people that are in power in my country are doing things that are completely unspeakable acts. There's nothing that I can do to change it. And I'm just going to give up now is completely different than saying, well, at one point, what if they try to come for me because of whatever else I need to be ready for that. And in that way, it's not, you know, get ready to, you know, gear up and, and, and fight federal agencies. That's not what I'm saying, but it's, Hey, maybe I should have some food stores, Maybe I should have a good community, things like that. And maybe I should live my life in a wholesome way to distract from a lot of these things that are going on. And then, you know, if, if worse comes to worse, if something, if something comes to my doorstep, whether it's, you know, something like this or it's a foreign invader or whatever, I'm ready for it. And, yeah. you know, it's, it's, it's a lot of things too that, that the, something that helps motivate me through a lot of this stuff. And because every day you can go on, you can read how terrible things are in the world in your country is that a lot of this stuff has happened before. None of this stuff is really brand new yeah. and it's coming to light because of the way that media is and the way that you're you know, just more aware of it. Is. Yeah, exactly. You're more aware of it. A lot of this stuff is cyclical. This stuff has happened before. And in, in the, the biggest thing that made me realize that was when uh, all the COVID stuff started happening yeah. and the lockdowns and the mask mandates and all that. And I started reading and I was like, this is exactly like a hundred years ago with the Spanish flu, mm-hmm. like to a T like, Oh, like and in the night in 1920, the Spanish flu outbreak started happening. What was the biggest killer during mandate. the Spanish flu? What's that? What was the biggest killer during the Spanish flu? I'm not sure. Bronchitis. <laughs> yeah. And, and, and straight from COVID the is even, it's, it's even within the same strain of, of influenza or whatever mm-hmm. is the Spanish flu. But, um, you know, a lot of this stuff is cyclical. A lot of this stuff has happened before and it's going to happen again. And you've always seen like that, uh, that meme where it's like, uh, 
you know, hard times create good men, good men create good times, good times create soft men, soft men create hard times, like that constant cycle. So like the way that you need to do, you, the way that you need to go about it is that, you know, you see things that are like this and you think there is a reason why I'm here at this time with the abilities that I have to meet the people that I have, to train with these people that I have, to potentially make a difference. And, you know, this stuff has happened before. It's not like we're brand new going up against a brand new threat. A lot of this stuff has happened before. And yeah, you know, the threats now have drones and satellites and all this stuff that they can do. But whenever people come up with this technology, there's ways to fight against it. Yeah. Right. Thermal now is like a huge thing. And there's companies oh. developing. And everyone talks that about it. It's like, do you know how easy it is to spoof these kinds of things? Like anytime there's technology, you can always just spoof it. Exactly. Take a shot spotter, for example. Okay, cool. You know, my enemy is Ivan over in Russia, and he developed his own shot spotter system. How can I approach that? Well, maybe I can just have a old babushka take some, <laughs> you know, slam fire shotgun sent off around, and eventually they're just not going to care about what rounds are going off. You know, maybe I can have a U-shaped ambush, and we just send off one shot each, and now they got to deal with multiple threats. There, there's always a way if you have the right mindset to get yeah. around stuff, and if you're you look everything over reliance on technologies, so yeah. Exactly. And, 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 and if you understand how that technology works and you understand where the weaknesses are, because every single item that you have has a weakness in some way. And, you know, you can, you can modify things and stuff, but there's always going to be some downfall to, you know, the computer that you're on, the guns that are sitting next to you, the phone sitting on your desk, like everything has a downfall at some point. So just knowing that and knowing where that downfall is, you can you can exploit it. But, you know, there, there's always been a relative, uh, you know, relatively the same things going on in life. Mm -hmm. And, you know, past generations have, have gotten over it. And you look at certain generations, you're like, man, they had it great. Everything was great for them. You know, the boomer generation, for example, right? Everything was great for them. And they are like the epitome of like good times create weak men. Yeah. And it's because they were going through such a good time that now we're inheriting all that shit. And that's the, the hard times create good men kind of, kind of, uh, cycle point now. Yeah. Yeah. And just like with tough times and trials and tribulations, this can either break you or it can make you, you can either have a sob story or a story of victory and triumph. It's, it's entirely up to you as to what that outcome is. Mm -hmm. You know, that you lost your house. You can, you know, you feel like you've lost everything. That, you, you don't know. Your positive outcome could be a rags to riches story. That's that's the other thing too. Is, and that's, that's a big reason why I, you know, a lot more recently I've started to come out with it a lot more, but why I've had so much of a focus on like faith lately mm -hmm. is because if you don't have if you don't have a faith or if you don't have like a, um, you know, an ultimate reason to exist and to keep going, you're going to give up a lot easier than somebody who's like, look, these people are, you know, or, or, you know, not even, not even going in like a, an aggressive standpoint, just saying the, the myself and the people that I love around me are here as creations of, you know, God or, or, you know, whatever you believe in, I, I obviously believe in God. So, you know, me, me and these people around me are creations of God. I need to do everything I can to make sure that they are upheld in the, in a good way and, and all that stuff. And, and also, you know, the moral aspect of it and all these other things. And, 
you know, just having that will to keep going is so much stronger if you have a better sense of purpose due to your religious belief. Yeah, I mean, you could take, uh, for example, the Christians in ancient Rome, you know, guys being burned at the stake, being crucified themselves, you know, fed to lions, and their faith basically just kept them from being manipulated and turned over. And you see mm-hmm. similar instances, whether it be within the Christian faith or not, of guys having higher guiding moral principles. Just you can kill their body, but you can't kill their soul. You can't kill their will to fight because they're just every time you knock them down, they get back up. And at the end of the day, you have to just kill them because otherwise they're going to keep fighting. Yep. And 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 if you're able to tell yourself, this is my current purpose that's been given to me by God, it's a lot easier than saying, how come things went to shit? I just want to go back home and play video games. I hate the fact that everything is, you know, the way that it is. And it's, it's just that like foundational uh, mindset that is either going to, let you last until the good times come back or you're going to be gone pretty early either by somebody else's round or your own. <laughs> Anyways, guys, um, we are coming up on two and a half hours, which has actually kind of got away from me. We went a little overtime and I, I'm enjoying that, but I'm really <laughs> actually, we, I want to do this again. This is fun. Part two. Yeah. I'm down with it. Yeah, no, straight up. I, uh, I didn't know that fact about the trees. That's fun. Yeah, you, know, you, learned a lot the, you learned a lot this episode. I did. I le- I'm, I'm trying to think about that because it's distracting me from the fact that CIA trafficked <laughs> children. <laughs> away with it. We're just playing multiple psyops on you right now. Yeah. Like, I, I, I knew they were bad. I, I'm not used to them declassifying things this early. This, this makes Tuskegee look like fucking baby town frolics. <laughs> Wait till you hear about Operation Sea Spray. Yeah, that's a good one. That's St. Really Louis experiments was a good one. I'm familiar with like the the normal ones like Mockingbird, Northwoods, all of that. MK Ultra is another really good one. MK. Oh, oh, yes, I heard about this. It's when they they released uh, viruses in San Francisco Bay Area. Yep. Just yeah, that, that was sea spray. Uh, yeah. One of my favorite ones actually was uh, Project Stargate. Oh, that which one, one was that really, one again? That one was the one where the CIA was trying to test. Uh, telekinetic capabilities yes, that one. and like you know psychics to see if they can get intel and they used it successfully during like an iranian the iranian hostage yeah, situation the they had like templates or at least they said they had the templates they had they had templates of the floor plans of the uh um of like the embassy that were get got you know obtained by people who were just like psychics stateside just remotes well, one of the one of the favorite uh, or one of my favorite stories about it is that there was a um, you know so how how they would do it and I don't mean to make your your episode go so much longer. Oh, dude, uh, you're you're fine. I'm like, okay, okay, okay. I, I'm so, only stopping this because I have to. Otherwise, I you know the producer will be breathing down your throat. Yeah. Oh, see, that's the that's the good thing is that I don't have a producer. I am the producer for my for my podcast, so I can make <laughs> a five hour episode if I want about literally nothing, and there's nobody that can four stop hours me. of wet mayonnaise slapping, slapping, literally. <laughs> well, so, uh, you're you're about to uh, to freak out a lot of people. Go on, tell us. Okay, so what Project Stargate was, in short, was that the CIA. So so during the Cold War the CIA did a lot of experiments that they thought that the Soviets would be doing. 
So if there was anything that they thought that the Soviets would be doing, they would be they would do it so that way they could get they could get the technology and the capabilities first. So like MK Ultra, for example, uh, is essentially why like LSD and a lot of those drugs exist because they were trying to see if they could use LSD to drug entire populations to make them pacifists. So that way, if they ever got to war with the Soviet Union, they could basically just have planes dropping LSD on people, make them not fight, and then come in and take over. Um, so then they tested it on the the American population <laughs> to see what the effects were. And now you have bands like the Grateful Dead. Thanks a lot, CIA. Yeah. But what Project <laughs> Stargate was, was that they were trying to use psychics. And how they did it was that they went to these psychic shows to recruit people to basically say, hey, do you want to get paid? And you just do your psychic stuff and we'll, we just want to study it. And one of my favorite stories about it was that they got the psychic who started to talk about this other CIA facility. And it was a very secretive one that nobody had known about it because the thing is, is that, and this isn't just like exclusive to the CIA because the CIA at this point is kind of a, a buzzword, right? Anytime you start bringing up government CIA, people are like, this guy's going crazy because he thinks that these, you know, secretive organizations have more power than whatever. But anyway, a lot of the stuff is on a need to know basis. If you don't need to know something, they're not going to tell you everything that it goes on in, in these other departments or things like that. The military is like that as well. So there was a psychic that had determined he was like, Oh, I'm seeing a building that looks like this. And inside there's all these different uh, files named operation, this operation that, and he was naming the operations. He was saying what the, he was saying what the carpet looked like inside of this building, all this stuff. They locked him up temporarily under suspicion of espionage because they thought that he was in there and he was leaking information because it was so accurate. And so what happened was that one of the, the the guy that was essentially like in charge of it was sent to this other facility to check things out and see how accurate it was and all this. Turns out this facility was like a couple minutes away from a cabin that he had out in the woods. And he had, and he had never known that this facility existed because he had just never gone down this road. I think it might've been closed off even and, and, and all that. So he goes there and he sees this like, you know, U-shaped driveway with a flagpole in the front, exactly how the guy described it. He came in, he went inside and all the files were exactly how he'd said, because some people left files out on their desk of like folders that had the, the operation name on them. So this guy was naming all these operations because in his brain, he was walking through this facility looking at stuff. And everybody who was in charge of this, uh, this operation to try to determine how like you can get psychics to, to actually give you intel they all ended up either like killing themselves or dying mysteriously in like a very like non shit posty way. Like, I don't think that they were killed off. I think that they were having weird things go on with their body from being around this so much. And, uh, or they killed themselves. Like everybody went crazy. That was in charge of it. Jeez. I, I knew there was a George Clooney movie that I've seen a little bit of that. The men who stare at goats. Or the men something. who stare at goats. Yeah. yeah. I've never seen it, but that's what it's about. Yeah, Operation Stargate. Oh my god, I I didn't know the more dour side of that. I'm guessing George Clooney yeah. doesn't off himself at the end or die because of. <laughs> yeah, main character syndrome. You never know if Alec Baldwin's going to be around just to off him. <laughs> Shows up in the, hey, the next western. Yeah, yeah. We need to do Project Stargate, but a western. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> But yeah, guys, uh, before I, I let you go, I'm going to, again, uh, unashamedly steal Mike's bit. 
I'd like a piece of dad advice from both of you. I can go. Um, yes, do it. This piece of advice. Actually, can I do two? I got two. First would be... <laughs> you didn't say anything. No, we were waiting until you said... <laughs> oh, wait, I do. Got two, and then... Jeez, geez, sorry, guys. Yeah. Uh, remember who you are, and then think about that one. The second would be, when you feel like you're completely out of energy and completely expended, you still have 40% left in the tank. And I thought the SEALs and PJs and Green Berets who told me that were kidding, but honestly, it's true. If you feel expended, you're only 60% of the way expended. You got 40% left in the tank. I like that. Well, now my piece of advice is going to sound super lame. I was going to say, if you have a to-do list, try to knock out one item every day at a minimum. If you have a big project or a big undertaking or you're trying to refinish your kitchen or bathroom or something, just try to do one thing a day. And eventually, you know, you'll, you'll get it done. If you do, if you do half a percent every day versus not doing anything for multiple days, at the end of it, you're, you're going to be further ahead. I think that's great advice. I don't know about you guys, but I like it. I think, yeah. No, me too. Thanks. Now you guys are making me feel better. <laughs> Very anyway, nice. Thanks, thanks for coming on, guys. We'll do this again. <laughs> thanks for having me. Thank you. Appreciate it. Anytime. Okay, bye.